And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. All right, everyone, I got a question for the man, the real punk, Josh Thompson. What do you get when you actually take my real age, 58 and 58? That is show number 116, Josh. We are live again, and do we have some stuff to talk about? I have a YouTuber who's going to face an MMA guy that was known for his stand-up. Cannot wait to talk about it because his stand-up is deadly, and we're going to go all through it. What's up, my man? I'm so glad you figured out that math problem because there was no way I was figuring that out that quick. I'm glad you had it sorted out, buddy. Thank you very much. Thank uh, you. Yeah, let's jump right into this. Ben Askren, Jake. Is it Jake? Yeah, Jake Paul. Look, I know Jake. Somebody. Yeah, we just we don't like to talk about it, but like about that. But here's the thing. You know, I'm I'm tipping my hat to to Ben. Ben, he's taking the fight. He knows what it is. I think I think I think, and I like Ben. I like Ben as a person. I've trained with Ben before. I think he's a phenomenal uh, fighter. This is not MMA though. This is boxing. Ben's never been known for his stand up. It's so funny. I've I've seen some stuff going around of him like landing right hands on a couple of people. And I'm like, it's only one shot. And you got yeah, six- it's all based on uh, someone being afraid that he's taking them down. Yeah. That the other thing as well Let's is that you're not hitting. You're hitting with four ounce gloves and you couldn't drop them. And now you're gonna hit with what t- eights and tens, okay. probably tens. Yeah, ten ounce gloves. Exactly. Like, it's not gonna be the same. And so oh. it's gonna be worse. <laughs> God, thank you. And you know, I, I, I want to put this out here as plain as I can. I think Ben Askren was a phenomenal MMA fighter. Yes. A lot of people did not like his style. I looked at him as a guy that, you know what? He is brutally good at what he did. Mm-hmm. His wrestling was so good. You knew exactly what he was going to go for. You knew the things he was going to do. And Basically, throughout his career, no one could stop it. They knew, and they couldn't do anything about it. It was very Khabib-like if you're looking at the efficiency of what he did with his wrestling. Now, he never had, the, I think, the power of Khabib in his ground and pound. Khabib did different things as far as how he maintained position and all that. But Ben Askren as an MMA fighter was fantastic. He was... What I want to say, eighteen and zero when he retired with one FC, and then he got the trade and he goes to the UFC and he has the fight with Robbie Lawler. I don't think it should have been a victory. It was more of a no contest for both of them. Robbie did a lot of damage to him. Ben got the choke, but it really wasn't uh, on the way someone you know some people thought it was. He got beat badly. You know, by Masvidal in five seconds, that can happen to anybody. You know, flying knee, you're out. That's it. He ends up losing by submission to Maya. And you look and you go, he's had a phenomenal career, but everything that he did in that cage, Josh, you and I both know, was based upon a grappling background and a grappling ability that made people hesitate in trying to do something offensive to him because they didn't want to put themselves in a bad position. That helps make his stand-up even better. Now that he doesn't have that, 
you know, you can go back and you can watch Ben working out with a lot of people. You can watch him hitting pads. This is not a guy that is a boxer. He's not. He just does. He has no hand speed. He's a great, you know, athlete as far as what he has accomplished. But he is not a great athlete as far as what God has given him. He has made something out of what God gave him beyond what you would have expected. And I know, yeah, you can you can say Jake Jake Paul is a YouTuber and all that stuff. There's one thing that I can say for Ben in taking this, and I do think it was smart for him to take it because he's going to make a fucking shitload of money off of this fight, probably more than he made in a lot of his fights put together in the cage. But it's not a good matchup for him. But here's the thing, though. Is he really going to make good money? Absolutely. See, I look at it in a couple ways. I like Ben, and I've said that I said that earlier. I like Ben. Ben's not a stand-up guy. It does not favor him at all. It does not favor and, and me saying he's not a stand-up guy. That's being I'm taking it like I'm I, I'm putting well, it nicely. He but, just but, he's not, he's never been. Josh, you were a, a, an outstanding MMA fighter. I'm not saying that because you know we're on a podcast. I you knew you knew the way I felt about the way you fought before, but you weren't a stand-up guy either. No. You were, you were a multi-talented mixed martial artist that used all the elements that allowed what you did to be even better because it was backed by something else and it always kept people confused and off balance. And that led to what you did being successful. He, he doesn't ha have even that. Yeah. Your stand-up throughout your career was light years ahead of Ben Askren's. Yeah. And you're not considered a striker. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. But I'm getting by. I'm going back to the money. The money situation to me is how many people are really going to buy the pay-per-view? I know the Jake Paul crowd will buy it to yep. see. But but the MMA crowd, I don't think they're interested. I don't think they oh, really care. Because not a lot of them knew Ben until he got to the UFC. And he and he didn't have <laughs> yeah. and he didn't have a good career in the UFC. No. So that being said, all they've seen is him getting knocked out. So when it turned when they turn on the when they turn on the the cable box and they go pay-per-view for $30, $29.99 or $49.99, whatever it is, they're going to go, nah, hard pass. You know, and I don't think that the number is going to be what people think it's going to be. It was different when he fought uh, the the basketball player. Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson, he's he's tall, long, lanky. He's got a name. He's played in the NBA for years. Like, well, he's not tall. <laughs> I mean, but he was still tall. Not tall is still 6'1". Yeah, he's 6'1". Yeah, I mean, that's still tall. That's, tall, that's fucking taller than me. <laughs> that's, anything taller than me is tall, man. So Dude, my grandson's taller than yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Calm down. He's calm seven. Down. Easy, buddy. Easy, easy. <laughs> calm down. Um. So, it, but that, that's kind of you know what I mean. Like, I think you're not going to get the fans that people think they're going to get based on this fight being put together. And so, like, look, if there would have been, if there would have been, if you would have said Nate Diaz or Nick Diaz in there, oh. it would have just blown up. Huge Absolutely. blown up. I mean, I'm trying to think of other guys that would potentially fight him that you know were probably in interested in fighting him. I mean, who who else was there in that in that market? Do you know anyone, Dave? I don't see. I don't follow the guys. I don't really know what Dylan Dennis. Oh well, okay. Let's 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 put this to to bed real quick because that was the number one person that Jake Paul wanted was Dylan Dennis. Yeah, and you know, and Ben Askren made some statements about that 
that, you know, how pathetic is Dylan Dennis that he won't fight a YouTuber? Dylan Dennis doesn't have the fucking option to fight a YouTuber. <laughs> he has a contract yeah. with a company that said, hey, if you want to do this both ways, then we'll talk about yeah. Dylan Dennis doing that. But if they weren't going to go both ways, Bellator was going to say, no, you're not going to do that. We're not going to let you just go box. So he didn't even have a choice. Yeah. 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 I, I do know I, there was conversation about the fact that Bellator was interested in going ahead to let him fight. You're like, hey, if you want to fight, but you're not just going to fight him in boxing, he's going to have That's to right. fight MMA. And so I, that was never an option. You know, uh, Jake Paul just put his tail between his legs and said, no, I don't want that option. <laughs> Ah, so, there I mean, you go. Well, baby. let's just be honest. Like, you, I the, love it. You can't have this guy running around and spouting off about MMA fighters about how they won't fight him in his sport. Well, why don't you just? We'll do both ways. Why don't you come over here? We did it. They did it in Pride. They did it in well, uh, Dream. Yeah. Let's go, buddy. Come on. You know. You know. And the best part, Josh, is this: is the past will come back to haunt you when you say certain things. Because I can recall a time when Jake Paul made the statement about boxing is not fighting mma yeah. is fighting and yeah. so you look and you go well you're the one that said it so either back it up or put your tail between your legs and just scurry on with your little poodle haircut is this a is this considered a really low point for boxing or is it or is know. it rejuvenating it like is it giving it something else to to because boxing right now to be honest i mean they just announced ryan garcia manny pacquiao i have yeah. no interest i have no interest in watching it Oh, I do. I, I really do. I and like when, Manny. I, I'll watch you, it we're because talk I like about Manny. That fight. We're going to talk about that fight because Ryan Garcia is way better than he gets credit for. Yes, he is. Even to this day. And, you know, he's a world champion. And he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. He is a dynamite fighter. Yeah, he is. No, I agree with you 100% that he's a dynamite fighter. I think he got lost in the translation because he became a YouTuber kind of now. He talks a lot of shit. He does the same thing that YouTubers do. And the fact that that uh, Golden Boy has taken uh, Oscar De La Hoya has kind of taken that, that kind of road as well. People have kind of lost interest in Oscar De La Hoya. They've lost interest in Golden Boy promotion. They've lost interest in what's going on, the whole Canelo thing and the separation. And th they've started now looking at that as like, it's not it's not a reputable uh organization to fight for another promotion to fight for they've started leaving that behind him and ryan garcia is attached to that pro that that promotion and it's it's gonna hurt him i think it's gonna hurt him in terms of value and names sure they can stir the pot but once he gets knocked out he's the villain the guy they're gonna be like yeah i'm glad you lost the reason why mayweather was so successful he never lost absolutely people paid more there was more people that paid to watch him lose and to watch him win that's all they cared about. Think about that. He fought on uh, Cinco de Mayo just so he could actually stir up the shit. You know, he knew what he was doing. He knew how good he was. Hell yes. These guys, Ryan Garcia is not Oscar, is not Floyd Mayweather. Okay. And he, I don't even think he's as good as Oscar De La Hoya was when he was in his prime. So when you're talking like, can he fight Matt when he fights Manny Pacquiao? I'm interested in watching because I want to watch Manny Pacquiao. I'm not interested in watching Ryan Garcia. I like Ryan Garcia. He's freaking phenomenal, but he's losing me a little bit with this, this YouTuber kind of like trash talk and the way he comes across. And, and I know that I guess for traditional boxers or boxing fans, they don't really like a whole lot of shit talking. They like it amongst each other. Like my guy's going to beat your guy, but they want to see these guys just duke it out, slug it out that thing and get on with it. I've never seen the whole lot of shit talking in the boxing. Sure. There's pushing and shoving at the weigh-ins. There is trash talking, but in the history of boxing, the best fights have always had a little bit of that back and forth. But not to the point of it's like a YouTube type shit talk. Like it's really, it's, it's, 
when people say cringe, it's it's that cringe. It's like cringy <laughs> when I hear when I when I hear someone who looks like Ryan Garcia, good looking kid, try to talk shit that you can tell he's just forcing it. It's bad. It's bad. Can you imagine if Oscar De La Hoya back in the day was trying to talk shit? People are like, what are you, like, what are you doing? You're a good looking guy. Like you can yeah, box. You, you box don't need really. that. You don't need that. You know, uh-huh. you got more fucking women at your show than anything. You don't need to talk shit. So that, that kind of vibe and that feel, I just feel this is a kind of a low point in boxing when you've got YouTubers kind of holding the sport up, like in terms of they're the ones kind of getting more interested in getting people more interested in boxing. It's kind of a low point. This, these guys yeah, but, are yeah, these but guys is that good. bad? Is that bad for boxing when you think about it? Because look at eyeballs on a product is what you're looking for. If you're the promoter, that's what you're looking for. If you're the cable, you know, provider, that's what you're looking for. And you got to look at the numbers, Josh, you know, Logan Paul and Jake Paul for whatever reason. Now I, Mm -hmm. I kind of take Jake Paul and second fiddle him because he was on, you know, his last fight you talked about with Nate Robinson was on, that was on a card that had Mike Tyson. Everyone watched that. And I don't care what anyone tells me. Otherwise that was about Mike Tyson, a little bit about Roy Jones Jr. Mm -hmm. And maybe a little bit about Jake Paul, but people bought that pay-per-view and it did exceptionally well based upon iron Mike Tyson. Mm -hmm. That was it. He is the one that carried that. It's just the way it is. But people, you know, when you, when you talk about boxing, if you're getting the attention, if you're getting the eyeballs, is that a bad thing? Uh, Not for the fighters, but I mean, is it bad for the sport? I'm talking about, is it bad for the sport? It's bad for the sport. For the sport, I agree. It's not, it's when you, it's it's low quality. Yeah. Let's just be honest. You know, even if you, if you have Jake Paul fighting Ben Askren, it's a low quality boxing match. I got a two and O fighter that has fought two professional fights in boxing. I got an O and O boxer and a 19 and two mixed martial artist who is known for grappling and known for having a fairly weak standup game. It's, it's low level. Fairly weak. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. Come yeah, on. Man. I, I try to be nice as well, but I have to be, I have to be hundred percent honest with everyone. Honest, and, yeah. and, and, and that's the thing. Like, you may want, people may want to call me the punk, but I'm going to lay it to you guys. The truth, the truth is, is that his standup is not has never been good, and it's not going to be good tonight. And the threat of his his wrestling is what made his standup somewhat effective at the time. Somewhat, somewhat as good effective. As it was that if is, you were going to say anything. That it now was is gone. All of his wrestling, but now that is gone. That option of a takedown is not going to work. And Jake Paul hit the nail on the head when he said, "He's like, look, your standup had a little bit of effectiveness when you could wrestle, when you could threaten the takedown." You can't do that. You can't do that yeah. little stuff to me anymore. Those little takedowns, which is and true. You, and you can't do the other things that actually you were fairly successful in, in getting a single collar tie mm-hmm. and raking dirty boxing action. That's all legal in MMA. You can't do any of that in boxing. It's not legal. It, it, it's everything is looking bad. If you're looking at the actual stand up game that Ben Askren has brought throughout his career in MMA. He didn't, he didn't have the record he had. He didn't have the success he had based upon being a striker. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. We know that. I think, I think the whole, I think majority of the world knows that. So <laughs> it's just, look, I like I said, I'll continue to say this. I'm a big Ben Askren fan. I thought he had a great, he had a phenomenal MMA career. Um, You know, one, I agree. T- one title is pretty much everywhere he went. 
I thought he was a great fighter. I think he still is. I think he potentially still could be a, a good MMA fighter now that he's got his hip done. You know, um, but the thing is, he is older. He's older. Okay, but you're fighting a younger boxing guy. Why? And you're t you're talking about a guy with a hip replacement. Yeah. Okay, grandpas get hip replacements. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just the way it is. And when you take a look, you know, Bo Jackson was an athlete, and he tried. He got a hip replacement, and what happened? Never played again. He was never able to come back. He played a little bit of baseball and just hobbled yeah. down the. You looked at a guy that could fly, and then. I mean, Ben's, he's, he's an older fighter now. He's not an old guy, but he's an older fighter. But different time, though. Hip replacements back then were like the end of your career. Bo Jackson still came back and played a tiny bit. Not football, yeah. but baseball. But, I mean, now the, the hip replacements are a lot different now. The oh, yeah. The and, and we know King Mo had one, and yeah. he came back, and there's been all kinds of guys. But still, it's, it's not a plus in your yeah. corner. But here's, where, does it, where does it go? Let's let's put all the let's put all the fact that we know that Ben Askren's not a stand-up guy. We know all that. At the end of this, where does the dust settle? Does the dust settle in terms of like, let's Ben, let's just say Ben wins. Then what? That just kills that. That should kill Jake Paul off. Like, oh. see you later, dude. I never want to see you again. Like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to hear your name in a YouTube video. I don't want to hear your name. Period. <laughs> on social media, you might want to delete your profile and come back as you know some something else. Jacqueline or something like Jacqueline Paul come back as that because I just I don't want to hear it but if he does win you know where does that leave Ben does uh, does Ben give a shot Ben doesn't care normally about a whole lot he's not offended or uh, or no. upset by anything like even even he made fun of himself after the mods at all he, he takes his losses and strides and he learns that he makes money and he knows what he's doing he took that Masvidal fight and said all the right things yeah you know Never made an excuse. Never said anything. He was like, I got caught. You know, yeah, it was the worst fight yeah. of my life. Well, it was five seconds. I looked pretty good for four of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah, he's, like, he's good, man. Well, we'll see. I mean, but I, I have no interest in watching it, to be honest. I, I, it's not something I'm going to go and pay for. I'll just read about it online. And, and it really comes down to the fact that I know that Ben is representing MMA, but the issue that's the is. problem. Yeah, that's the problem. That is the problem. That's the problem. Yep. Yeah, and anytime, anytime you have this, and this is you know, you look at, you are representing a sport. That's because that's that's what they're using. Yep. Using what you did in that sport to try to sell what they're creating here, and when you don't represent it the right way, or you don't represent it well with your, you know, performance in that ring, it doesn't look good. Yeah. Well, who, well they're, they're, see, Connor's not going to fight him. It'd be a total waste of his time. You've got Dylan Dennis wants to do it both ways. Do one in Bellator, do one, do one MMA in Bellator, and then do one the other in boxing or whatever, vice versa. You know, um, but who else? I, didn't Logan Paul sign a fight Floyd Mayweather? Yeah, that's, brother, still up right? in, that's still up in February. The better of the two, right? Logan's the better of the two. Doesn't have the record to show well, it. But yeah, he doesn't. You know, if you, you, you can get it going both ways. He is, uh, you know, has, he didn't win as a pro. And he lost. He got points taken away in his fight because, mm -hmm. you know, he's a young fighter and makes mistakes and doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. But, you know, he, he he at least performed fairly well. But against Floyd, come on, man. It is not even going to be – Floyd will do whatever he wants yeah. in that. Yeah. It's, and, and Logan is way bigger than Floyd. I'm okay. looking at a picture of Logan, and Logan Logan's, to me, is more marketable. He's got He's a better-looking kid. Oh, yeah. Um, 
He's, he's physically bigger though, right? From what I understand, he's what, 205 pounds, about 200 he's, pounds? He's, he's a good 210, 215. Oh, is he? He's that his brother, his brother is about 185. Got it. Because I remember, wasn't Logan the one that was uh, wrestling or grappling with Cochino? Logan oh, Paul was, Yeah. Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> not not yeah. Cucino, but uh, Borchina. Borchina. <laughs> I don't know why. Now it's, stuck in, How's that? Now, now it's stuck in my head. I'm a Paul Acosta. <laughs> I love Paul Acosta, man. He's an animal. Yeah. Um, yeah, to me, when I look at the two of them, uh, Jake's an ugly son of a gun. But Logan, Logan looks got, like a poodle. Yeah, Logan, Logan's got a better look, man. Yeah, it is true. Now that I look at him with the the two earrings and the the weird dyed hair, or maybe it's not dyed. I don't know. But Logan to me is the more marketable one. So if I was anyone looking to put money behind something, I could see why Floyd took that fight. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. look, I feel like we've spent enough time talking about this garbage. <laughs> it's really, it's it's frustrating, man. Like I like I said, I really feel like it's the it's it's the black sticky stuff on the bottom of the barrel that these guys the black are, eye. yeah it's it's the black eye it's that that sticky gooey stuff at the bottom of the barrel that that really is a fa- it's it's messing up boxing man it's really messing up boxing it's it, you're proving that anyone off the street can just walk in and sell millions of pay-per-views or you know hundreds of thousands of pay-per-views and make money you know and it's not true that's the problem. Well, no, it's not. But you got to look, and you know, this is this is the age that we live in, and what social media does. And this is the power of social media. When you got guys yeah. like Logan or like Jake, you know, they have such a following. They have so many people interested in what they're doing, and they continue to give information, put out content, and push these scenarios, and push these formats, and push these ideas out there. I think there'll be a lot of people watching it. You know, I don't think many of them are going to be MMA fans. No, I don't. I have to agree with you. That's yeah, that's pretty much what my initial take was on it. It's like not yeah. majority of the people that know I agree them, with you. Ben Askren, they won't be MMA fans that watch. It'll be YouTubers and social media people. Yeah. Uh, socialites. Socialites. Dang. Uh, what's next? Uh, Nate Diaz calling out uh, Dustin Poirier. Um and then all the shenanigans that followed. Yeah, if you read the tweets, John, can you can you pull up his tweets? Nate's tweets. Uh, yeah, right here. Something to do with you know it says here. I said I'm training to whoop your ass next. He has a picture of him and and uh, Dustin Poirier. Um, da da da. There's a, there's a couple other ones talking about he never been finished like that. You know, da 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 da. He's talking a lot of trash. I don't know, man. It really, just comes out says you and who's Dustin you Poirier. and D- yeah Dustin Poirier, but who's you? Uh, Connor. Oh, Connor. UNDP just got choked on your face uh, the other day by a guy that I ran off and d- and didn't want none, especially with me. How how are you gonna fight for a title? You've been here 14 years and no one can do do me like that ever. And then I the reason why I know this happened, like why I know this was all going on, I got tagged about a 50 50 billion times. People posting the picture of me <laughs> knocking him out, and then I I went in there and just was like just told everyone to shh. You know, and then, I mean, so then I just, somebody said something, you know, in terms to me. And so then they're like, oh yeah, it was an early stoppage and you got lucky. And I was like, early stoppage is brother through the towel in. So I just posted, I posted a picture of, of the towel being thrown in. So I left it at that. But the bottom line is, is look, Nate does this and Nate gets what he wants. And as much as people want to criticize him and, and he's way off his rocker on this situation. Like he's not even in the conversation. I don't even know if he, is he still in the rankings? No, I don't, he's not even in the rankings. Not at one fifty-five. Yeah, and so what's the, what's the point of having this conversation, really? I mean, like now, Dana did come out and say 
that Nate's going to be back at 155 and he's got someone for him to fight and that it will basically be a great fight for him. And I think it's going to be Tony Ferguson. I do too. I, I really do. I think that's the fight that they're looking at when I, I talk to people and I hear some things. I would say that, you know, getting Nate back, it, it, that's someone that Tony could get excited about. Yeah. Because if, if you recall, you know, several years ago, you know, Dana had that thing of, you know, Nate Diaz doesn't move the dial. Yeah. He doesn't move the needle. And it was, you know, some people, you know, some, yeah, he does. Yes, he does. And, you know, no, he doesn't. And then he had the one fight where they put on at the Staples. And, yes, he moves he moves the needle. He and moves he definitely it. moves the needle now. Based upon his two fights with Connor and everything, you go and you look at the one thing that people know. When Nate Diaz steps in the cage, there's going to be a fight. Now, he may not win the fight. Masvidal was absolutely beating him in the BMF fight. But he was the creation of that. If you go back to that, yeah. Josh. You know, it wasn't the UFC. The UFC took what he created in his mind and then made something of it. And that was smarter on their part. But it was Nate Diaz that basically said, you know, he, hey, that guy's a bad motherfucker. And, I, and you know, we need to have a fight between two bad motherfuckers. Yeah. Perfect. He moves in here. People know that they believe when Nate Diaz steps in the cage, they're going to get a fight. They're going to get a guy that goes out there and walks forward and tries to put it on his opponent. That's what, you know, that's what they're going to get from him. And I think, you know, people can sit there and complain about what he's saying with Dustin. His job is to create interest. His job is to get the best fight that he can get that's going to pay him the most money. And that's what he's doing. Well, here's the thing. Not only like when he does this, right, because he's pretty silent on social media until like something like this happens. Until, until there's a fight. And then something blows up when he says something. Everybody wants that fight with him. Justin Gaethje's come out and said some shit like from a dude that don't that only like, talks about it doesn't doesn't do anything yeah. basically, you know. And and then you've got uh, who else was there in the conversation there? Uh, Gaethje and then Tony. And, and then Tony in. said something like Tony came out and said all these guys do is have bad grammar. Fucking Nate, get off your ass and compete already. I, to me, I think the perfect fight is is the Tony Ferguson fight. I think it's a phenomenal fight. Nate coming off a loss. Tony coming off of two losses. Um, is Nate coming off two losses? I think he's coming off the Connor loss, and then he's coming off the no, 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 no. He had, he had the oh, he, he had the Pettis, the, the Pettis fight the in Pettis between, fight in between that, and then he had the uh, BMF fight against Masvidal. Yeah, yeah, lost. yeah. He's got the win. He's got the win over. He lost to Connor, beat uh, Pettis, and then he came back and and uh, lost to Masvidal. Yeah, I mean, overall, look, I love what he does. I'm a big fan, and I've I've told people this. I just wish I could get the guy to talk to me, man. I'd love to have him on the show, him and Nick, both. <laughs> I'm just, I'm being honest, man. I, I, yeah. here, people think that I, because I won that I want to have him on. No, no, no. I just did a, I just did a, for Eves Edwards, his very first podcast show was on Monday and I did it on him. And what we did is we went through our first fight or our fight together and we broke it all down and our emotions. I, I don't give two shits. I like Eves Edwards. He's like one of my long-term friends. We were friends before we fought. We're long friends after one of the nicest Nate, guys yeah, ever. If Nate would have beat me, he'd probably be my friend, but he didn't beat me. And so the bottom line is, is like, I've tried to get him on the show. I'd love to have him and his brother both on, you know, they're phenomenal fighters. I'm a big fan of both of those guys. When it comes, when it comes down to when they, when they do this, I just sit back and go, this is awesome. 
I, I appreciate what they're doing because like you said, it was Nate that made that fight happen with Mazadal. Yes, he did. You know, and it was kind of it was kind of Nate that made that fight happen with Connor as well. I'm the big money fight. You know what a fucking money fight is. Like that's that's really you're I don't taking know what every you are doing playing touch butt in the park. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> you, you know, ever, man. you're fucking taking everything that I worked for. Like that type of stuff. That those comments is what gets him fights. Yeah. I can't be nobody can be mad at that. And I respect that a lot. And I love both those guys. I will always buy their pay-per-views and watch them fight. And I and everyone knows I don't like to buy pay-per-views. Okay. So I just I do it, I do it when these when there's people out there that I really want to see. Um, you know, I do the same thing because I, I respect that fighter, and it's like he deserves my money. Yeah, he does. That's the way yeah, I look at it. Absolutely, I do. I love it. Um I don't know. I wish I wish him luck. I hopefully he gets a big fight. I think it's gonna be Tony Ferguson which I think is a great fight for him. That puts him right back in the top five, top six, something like that. Great fight. And then you can move your way on down there. I'd love yeah, to see yeah, him yeah. and Justin Gaethje fight as well. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I would rather at this moment, I think, I think Gaethje and Connor are going to end up being put together. I think so. But I really think that that fight with Tony Ferguson, that's a, that's a great fight. You know, that's one that you can get behind. Both guys coming off of, you know, losses, multiple losses, if you're looking at Ferguson. But they match up really well. There's some yeah. interesting factors because both guys like to come forward and it's a matter of the grappling games are different, but they're both good. It'd be a, it'd be a fascinating fight. It'd be fun to watch. You know, can you pull up the rankings for me? I know we had this conversation the other day about this, about the 55 pound rankings in the UFC. So now that it's now that it's fully laid out, you know, um, and they've got the the rankings there. I, we've talked about Khabib being gone, so realistically, it just comes into He's the gone. dust. Yeah, now it comes into Dustin Poirier. Yeah. Dustin Poirier, to, and I'm a I'm a big fan of Dustin. I appreciate Dustin. Um, I I trained a long, long time ago back with Dustin and Frankie Edgar's, and I've said that a thousand times. But for yeah. all of our new listeners, um, you know, I respect him a lot. I respect him a lot from when I knew him back when he fought at 45, and I trained with him. He's he's just a humble, good kid to be around. And, and I love everything he's done with his career. He had said some stuff today about how he sh they should just give him the title. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way. It's, I no. like Dustin. I think it'd be cool if they did, but they will never do that. You well, know, I mean, it, it's happened. Let's be honest. Okay. There was times when, um, you know, Ronda Rousey, they gave her the title. She was the strike force champion. I thought and she fought for it against uh, Liz no, Carmouche. No, they gave her the title before. Oh. She said, I don't want it. Yeah. I want to win it in the cage, but they gave it to her. Didn't they and do that with Jose was, Aldo? Yes, did the same thing with Aldo. That's the second one I'm going to say. Yeah. Oh, Aldo, though, he, 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 to me, I felt like he had earned it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Same and, thing. And they, and they also didn't, they also didn't have a weight class. It, did they? <laughs> they didn't have that weight class, right? The UFC uh, didn't have 145 until the WC came over. No, I think when it all switched over, that's when it all yeah. crashed out. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I can understand 50, 50, that. 55 was the different one. They had a 155-pound weight class, and the WC guys came over, and there was a big clash of the talent pools yes. between that. Yeah, yeah. The, the WC guys took over. You know, yeah, and let's see. Let's, okay. Uh, yeah. Remember the champion was at that time, you know, Pettis had just taken it from Benson Henderson. Yeah. And uh Clay Guida. Yes. Clay yes. Guida. He beat him. Yeah, so he beat him, but then after that, Benson and, and Pettis became champion. This is true. You know, so yeah, I, I do recall I do but then they came over and they had success and uh, they, they did. 
they, you know, they're talented fighters. When you come down to this list, though, I say Dustin. I still believe it's going to be Chandler just because they were both on the same card. They both had knockouts. I think it's going to be Chandler. It. I just don't think that Charles Oliveira sparks people's interest enough right now to make it a marketable fight. Pay-per-view numbers will drop if they put Charles Oliveira in there. Nobody knows him as much Compa as you, compared to, especially with what Chandler did. Mm hmm in that fight against Dan Hooker, it does help elevate the ability to sell yep. based upon what they can put out there now. Because, you know, it's kind of funny as you're watching that fight before it happens, you're seeing nothing on Michael Chandler. Now, you and I have watched Michael fight, yeah. you know, 20 times, but they had no film them because they couldn't put it out that they don't own it. And so they're putting out training film and things like that. Now they have a highlight. Yep. And that's really what it takes. Give me one good highlight. I can make you a star. As long as you do your part, and that's what he did. So they have a good highlight to do it, and people are going to remember him. And they love the backflip off of the top of the cage, especially with look at that was that was a high amplitude jump. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was I was kind of worried he's going to blow out a knee too when he's landed. But it drives I mean, me crazy when the fighters do that. I'm like, oh, I know it's crazy. You guys, but, take a take a. Look at what what happened to Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker. And that was doing the shoulder. Gone. Doing the watermelon crawl. Come on, guys. You guys are jumping off the top of the cage doing a backflip. Please stop doing that. You're killing me. No. You're killing me. Okay. Your career's this long in your whole life. You're just gonna make it smaller. <laughs> just stop doing it. Just I stand on top of it if you want. Turn around, yeah. jump, jump straight down. I really do believe that they're going to put Michael Chandler and I'm not, it's no knock to onto Charles Oliveira. It is a knock to him that they're doing that to him. But the fact that simple fact of the matter is if you click on Charles Oliveira, I can't tell you who his last opponent before Tony Ferguson was Kevin Lee. Okay. That was exactly <laughs> it's Kevin Lee's on what, on what skid he hasn't Kevin Lee hasn't won in a while. Look, he was that's my point. My point is, is that it doesn't okay. make sense to give someone but who's coming how? off. He's good. He's got, don't get me wrong. Nick Lentz just lost. Jared Gordon, Kevin Lee, Tony Ferguson. No, they're not going to give him. No, Jim, Jim but Miller. You're, you're not, you should you not put, give him a title shot. How do you put a guy that has one fight with one win? Former multiple time world champion against someone. When you've got a guy that is on an eight fight win streak. Is it eight or nine? It's, like, it's one of the two. Two, four, six, eight. Yeah, eight. Eight fight win streak. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Okay. Wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take all those guys. Not one of those guys was ranked higher than than Dan Hooker. Okay. So that that means what? That that but means that no no you're you're saying you're you're trying to compare all the guys that Michael Chandler has beaten and he's a former world champion that to me is more marketable than anything that that all of that that all of has done. Ferguson was ranked where for how long? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do, I do. But he's all, he was also coming off a loss and the confidence was killed. <laughs> yeah, well, I just look. I got to be honest. Look, I, I, and I'm not, and I am not a fan of Michael Chandler, but I've I got, I've got to pitch the story, man. I've got to pitch the fact that he, he, if I'm going to compare and I'm looking at it from both ways, I'm looking at it from the UFC's point of view in terms of making money, John. And the point well, that's, of the point of them making let's money, be is, honest, that's, that's it. That's the whole thing. That's the storyline. That's number one. That comes when it comes down to what's going to sell that fight's going to sell more than Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier for the title. That's that. That's all that people need to hear. And realistically, when I'm sitting there going, hey, do I want to see a grappler fight a striker and potentially get him taken down a submission? Or do I want to see two guys slug it out and get knockouts? Hell yeah. I'll take that fight. That's exactly what's going on. I, if I was going to say, hey, I, look, I'm not mad at 
at Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje either. If Oliveira is to get the fight, let me see the Justin Gaethje and, and uh, Michael Chandler fight. Sign me up. Hello, I'll take that all day long. But you're talking for the championship title that the person has vacated, Khabib. Then, then they're going to have to do something that's explosive. You need to show that you have two guys out there that are phenomenal fighters that want to throw down to replace the champion that you know is 29 and 0. They just just vacated the title because he was basically bored and walked away from the sport. You know, I mean, I know he lost his dad. There's a story behind it. I get it. Yeah. But the bottom line is, is that like he said when he walked up to Dana, he's like, Dana, let's be honest. None of these guys are on my level. Come and, on, how much? You gotta, you gotta be honest. How fucking just straight out gangster is that statement when yes. you think about it? Yes. Hey, you know, be honest. You know, they're yeah. not on my level. It's like, oh. You know, but he, he he can actually say it, and and look, the number one guy in the division is Dustin Poirier. Yeah, no doubt about it. He proved that in his fight against Connor, and you know he did have that one guillotine attempt. But other than that, you know, Khabib just just owned him in yeah. that fight. And look, so, I think the fact that you can market that Michael Chandler came over from um from bellator as the former champion multiple time world champion comes over gets a gets a phenomenal knockout against dan hooker made him look like he didn't belong in there and the fact is is that that would be the fight to fight and the other thing as well how many eyes were on that fight that night because of conor mcgregor and and, du and dustin don't worry right. and dustin that, how many that i agree and so more people probably know Michael Chandler right now than they know Charles Oliveira. It's possible. 1.6 million pay-per-view buys is that, what they're saying. So. More people know who Michael Chandler is now because of that night. He was a co-main event. It was the most, the second most talked about fight on that card, obviously. But it really just came down to the fact that he performed. You know, and I when it when the bottom line is when you're looking at the UFC, they're gonna say, hey, which fight's gonna make us the most money right now? That fight. It's not gonna be Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier. Okay, and then you have then after that you've got probably Charles Oliveira fighting Justin Gaethje. You have that as the co-main event because if someone gets COVID, hey, at least you can bump one of those guys up there. You know, you're gonna have a barn burner with Justin Gaethje, but if they'd put Charles up there, unless Charles is the one who got COVID, you know, and somebody else got if they both got COVID. So I don't know. It would, but to me, it would be I, that'd be a good fight to have a good co-main event. Would be Oliveira versus Gaethje, and then you have the um, Chandler versus Dustin. That'd be that your top four guys are fighting right there. It'll be it's interesting to see. We'll, we'll find. We'll, yeah, we'll, eventually, within a couple weeks, maybe a month, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah. But I look. I look at Chandler. Didn't take any any shots. Justin took a couple shots, but he's got like a little bit of a mark here and there. He'll be ready to go within within three months. He could fight probably in four if he wanted to. Yep. You know, so go back. He take a week or two off. Enjoy his million, million, one point two million dollar payday with his family, and uh, you know, and then come back and try to win that title, baby. That's really what it comes down. I'm happy for him. I'm so happy it's, for, for Dustin. I, I think that you know Dustin just needs to look at the fact that hey, he's the number one driver in the seat mm -hmm. to get that title. No one's going to give it to him. No, and and I don't think he wants it given to him. Obviously, he's earned it through his actions or he's at least earned the right to be the guy that's in that cage when that belt is on the line. But, you know, it's always better when you win the fight. When he beat Max Holloway for the interim belt, you know, what can anyone say? He deserves it. You know, he deserves that. But when someone hands you something 
it just doesn't look the same. It doesn't yeah. seem the same and people don't look, don't respect it in the same manner. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm excited. I look, I want the best for him. I really like Dustin. Uh, I think he make him, I think he'll make a phenomenal champion. So, so hold it. Are you saying that you were going to root for Dustin Poirier over? Oh, no, yeah, I guess you would. <laughs> I would. I would. I'd root for him over Oliveira, and I'd root for him over, obviously, over Chandler and uh, yeah. some of the other guys. I know, and it's you know, hey, that's. But and this is what's funny. A lot of people are like, I can't believe that you know you like that person. Yes, mm-hmm. everyone's got people that they like. You know, there's styles they like. There's there's attitudes they like. There's personalities they like, and there's ones that they don't. That's just yeah. the way the world is. Yeah, I will root for Dustin. Let me see in those rankings there. I will root for him until Islam Makachev gets up there. <laughs> he's, you know, he's got a couple that he's going to have to uh, get back. He's going to, he's a couple fights away. But if he performs well, you know, and he's that guy is phenomenal. You know how good he is. It's just a matter. There is a difference between him and his mentor or his friend, you know, Habib, yeah. and their ability to do it under the lights. Yeah, there is. There's a little bit different. I think that will come with more activity, though. More it, activity in the cage, in the bright lights, in the spotlight, all those things. Just, I think it'll come with more activity. Yeah. What else you got? I agree. John kind of mentioned it already, but do you guys have any like expanded thoughts on the 1.6 million pay per view buys? It was 1.2 on ESPN Plus, and then the other 0.4 came from international. I thought it was going to be more. I thought they were going to hit 1.8. Sorry, I just I thought they were gonna. I thought also too because Dan Hooker being from New Zealand and the Australia market, I thought maybe they would potentially drive it up and bump it up more. Um, I I thought it would be a little bit more. I thought, but I wasn't. I was pushing two, but I thought one eight. I thought one eight. I had said one five. I said one and a half. Yeah, you know, and I I figured that was a fair number because when you're getting past that one point five, it's very rare. It's very rare. And so you look at the numbers that they did and you look at the card overall, I think the UFC should be very happy with what, you know, they got out of it. I think they're yeah. happy with the fights that occurred. Maybe they're not so happy the way that, you know, the last one went, but that's, that's fighting. And that's the best part about it. It's not predetermined. Unlike some things like podcast Dave likes. <laughs> likes that <laughs> WWE fake stuff. Real wrestling. wrestling. What else you got? Um, we're going to jump over to fan questions. So do you guys okay. want to run through this before? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.com. Use the promo code Wayne in. They'll give you 50% of your initial deposit. And you guys, we've also forgot to mention in the beginning of the show, hit that little bell on your YouTube channel. That will signify that you will get, you will notify other people that you're watching our show. And that gets our word out. Because what we did. them. Huh? It notifies the individual. It notifies when them when out. a new show comes out. Very nice. I yeah. like that. And then it well, will also let other thing, people One thing, let's know. do this. Mm-hmm. For all the people that are watching the show and liking it, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. You know, we appreciate you tuning in, listening to the podcast, making comments on it. We can't, you know, we can sit here and talk all day long. And we do even without you. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> okay. But we really do appreciate the fact that you're enjoying the show and supporting it. Thank you so much. And you guys always hit me up on my DMs when you see my clips of filming in the studio and say, when is this going to drop? If you just click that little bell, you're going to get the text alert when it comes when it comes out and then you won't have to go and search on YouTube for it. 
There you go. <laughs> yeah, just hit that little bell and that'll let you know when our shows drop. And then also too, when you hit that bell, it helps shares our show out to everybody else, letting everybody else know that you watch our show. So we Which do only goes that. to show everyone how intelligent you really are. <laughs> uh, also hit the thumbs up that will share our videos to other people and let that put that'll put there on their timeline as well. So when they open up their YouTube, that will let them know that you are watching our video or other people that like are like-minded like them will watch them know you're watching our videos as well. Um, what else you got? All right. Ready to jump into fan questions? Fan questions, baby. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Ian Gossett wants to know, is Wonderboy the most overlooked and consistently underrated fighter in MMA history? Hashtag get Wonderboy the title fight he deserves. Wonderboy ran into one man that caused him problems in this sport. And it's T. Wood. You know, that was the guy that ended up if you go if you go through what Wonder Boy was doing before T. Woodley, he was running through guys. You know, I did I did a multitude of his fights, you know, Jake Ellenberger, Johnny Hendricks, Rory McDonald, and he was just making them look bad. But you're always gonna find that one guy that gives you problems. Mm -hmm. And T. Wood was the guy that, you know, in the end caused Wonder Boy problems as far as he did well. He did well in the first one. Second one, he didn't do quite as well. But, you know, also got hit with shots that put him down. Close fights, but that was the difference maker because it was almost like, well, now that T. Wood is the champion and he had two losses to him, basically. One, I think, was a draw. It was a tough situation for him. And now that the division is opened back up, you are seeing, you know, he had, a, he had an outstanding fight in his last fight against Jeff Neal. He looked fantastic against yeah. a guy that's got heavy hands and just just showed what when we talk about look at there's a difference in technique the technical ability of both of these guys or both of these ladies is different well that was what you saw in that fight with jeff neal you saw jeff neal being a guy coming forward trying to do the things that were going to make him successful in that fight and not being able to actually make those things happen based upon the technical superiority of what Wonder Boy does and how good he is. And he can be right back in the mix. But I think when the UFC looks at him, Josh, they're looking at a guy named Kamaru Usman sitting at the top who very much reminds them of Tyrone Woodley. Yeah. Good wrestler, controls the fight, has some stand-up and power, and, man – as a matchup might be a real hard matchup for wonder boy. And they don't want that same situation, but I think wonder boy, honestly, he's one or two wins and a little bit changing of the top. You put Gilbert Burns as the champion. I think the UFC loves wonder boy versus Gilbert Burns. You think so? I do. I, I look at it a couple different ways. Um, Steven Thompson. Can you click on his name again, please? When you click on his name, scroll up to the top. He's, 30, he's the nicest fighter in the game. He's 37 years old. <laughs> yes. They have no desire to have him fight for the title. <laughs> I'm just, let's just, we got to start. I want everyone to, look, if you guys are new fans, okay, you guys are new uh, subscribers, you guys have to understand the dynamic of this is a business. And when it comes down to the business of MMA, which a lot of fans at home don't seem to understand that because they don't pay attention. They, they don't follow along as well as obviously you and I do uh, doing our show at 37 years old. If I give him a title shot and he beats someone like Kamaru Usman, now you've kind of ruined my division because I know you're not going to be there very long. 
You know, so it's hard. I'm trying to build stars. I'm trying to build someone that will be there for a long time that I can market and, and sell pay-per-views to. And you can't do that. You know, you can't do that with Steven Thompson as much as I like him. Um, I've, I've hung out with him several times, did a movie with him, that Ranger up, or Ranger 15. Like it just fights like things like that. He's very marketable. He is, but he's 37. The time now is like, look, I know you're in that top echelon of guys, but let's go ahead and see who else we can have. We got Colby Covington who's younger. We've got, um, who else is there? Can you pull up the brackets? You've got Colby Covington that's there. You've got, I mean, I know Mazadal's not younger, or no. he is a little bit younger, but he's but he's marketable but in terms Gilbert of the fact that he's is. Gilbert Burns is younger. You know, you've got Leon Edwards, younger. You know, um Chemayev. Chemayev is coming up, right? Younger. Kiesa, younger. You know, Woodley's older, Maya's older, Damian Maya's older, uh Vicente Luque, but like uh Luque. Vicente like, Luque still has the ability to fight with anyone though. I yes. Love yeah, yeah, I do as well. I'm just saying when you get to those upper guys, Colby, Gilbert, Leon, George, all younger than him. You know, and but, so, but, and again, this is, you know, it all comes down to, there are those specific athletes. There are those guys. And I, and I would all pull up. I use Randy Couture all the yeah, time because yeah. he's a guy that started fighting at the age of 33. All right. And when he was 43, came out of retirement and fought for the heavyweight title and won it. But you can take a look at Steven Thompson and you can put him in that Randy Couture type of, you know, mold. He is the guy that people like. He is super nice. He's known for being just a nice, good guy. And he has taken care of himself for the most part. Yeah. He is healthy. He doesn't do anything you know, bad for himself. So when you take a look at his age at 37, yes, biologically he's 37, but you know, he hasn't taken a ton of damage. He got knocked out badly by Anthony Pettis. Pettis. And that happened. But rebounded, and you can see that he rebounded well in his other fights. And that Neil fight, he looked great. He looked so good. Now he hurt his foot a little bit, had some problems with a leg as far as I think his calf, you know, might have been pulled or something. But I he's the kind of guy that I think you can look at at the age of 37, and you can see him fighting till he's 40. That's three years. And if he make, if he's a champion and he's your champion for two of two of those years, you're getting what you need out of him. Okay, so I can I agree with you on the terms of, and those terms of well, you have guys like Brandon Tour, Dan Henderson that can fight into their forties, you know, later forties, yeah. whatever it is. I agree, but those are also at higher weights. When you get into the lower weights, it's harder for those lower weight guys to fight into their forties because what's the first thing that Let's goes? Say, the speed. Speed. The speed goes when the speed goes. It's harder to maintain that that low, that that level of fighting at the lighter weights. 170, 155, 145, 135. It's just ridiculous at like 25, 35. If you're not fast, you're getting smoked. You're dead. All the way up to 55. I mean, 55, even I think 70 is kind of that threshold. It is. His style allows him to get away with a lot. But a lot of it is banked on the fact that it's speed. It's that Roy Jones factor. Roy Jones Jr., he, a lot of his style was speed. And if once the speed started going, he started getting clipped. And yeah. then that there it went, and that that was kind of the situation. I people started thinking, looking at him at 37, and with the Pettis fight, they wanted to write him off. I wasn't ready to write him off, but I'm saying that you started going, "Wow, those are punches that didn't used to land before," you know. And you're 37, sure, but when you get into that 40 at, at 70 at 170 pounds, you start questioning like how much longer you can do it. And as a promotion, I'm saying at 170, if it was higher, if he was 205 or he was even 185. He was 180. Look at Yoel Romero, 185. 
185, 205, that's kind of that those weights and, and heavyweight that you can get away with being older because the speed is not as much of a factor as the as the power is and a little bit of the wrestling and all that stuff that goes along with it. They don't fight at a fast pace like the like the lighter guys do. And so I can see the hesitation with the UFC with him given those situations. Well, I, I totally agree with you as far as the speed factor. But if you go back and you watch his fight with mm-hmm. Jeff Neal, yeah, he was fast. He looked good. Yeah. The speed was there. I got you. I got you. Next question. Next that, question. Was a, that was a long-ass question. Yeah, <laughs> that was, was a long-ass answer, I mean. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, the next question comes from Yeo, and he wants to know, to both John and Josh, what advice would you give to Dan Hooker after suffering his most recent loss? Very simple. First off, he's got to spend some time in Abu Dhabi based upon uh, the quarantine thing. But get home. Mm-hmm. Just take a couple days off. Go back into the gym, not to spar, but just to get movement, to get technique, to work on little elements and put that fight, put it in the back burner. It's past. You didn't look good. You didn't fight the way that you can fight. And every fighter is going to have those nights. That is just the way it is. You are still an outstanding fighter and you still have the ability to beat the very best guys there are on on a given night. And so you got to put it to the back and say, Hey, I didn't perform. It was my fault. Um, I made mistakes and I'm going to fix those mistakes and I'm going to move on. Dan hooker. When you get home, don't do a thing for two weeks Yeah, because you got knocked out. And I know it's a hard pill to swallow, but guess what? Your brain needs time to recover. Don't heat it up, lay around. Don't even read books. Don't watch TV. Just really like, just lay around, go for walks, hang out, go to the beach, do whatever it is that you like to do, but don't do anything that causes your body temperature to rise. Okay. I mean, just given that all the history that I've looked into in terms of uh, concussions, brain damage, that type of stuff that causes it after a knockout is the dumbest thing you can do is get back in the gym and start doing something. If your body temperature rises, it keeps your brain from healing. Take your time. I know you're going to be in uh, Abu Dhabi for what? Two more weeks. I think until the 21st, almost three weeks. That means just hang around. Don't do much. Don't do anything active. Don't go running for sure. Don't do any shadow boxing. Don't go lift weights. Don't strain yourself at all. Just brain recovery is the most important part. Eat lots of essential fats, all those type of things that will help your brain recover. Fish oils. Um, yeah, fish oils. Yeah, exactly. Macadamia nuts, those type of things that will actually help your body and your brain recover. Take your time. There is no rush to get back. You are 30 years old. You're a phenomenal fighter. Um, your body style will permit you to become like get back into that top conversation of you know, one, two, and three. Um, you're he's great. I think I can't wait to see him come back and see what he can do. It just wasn't your night. Your two losses you've had now have been to uh former champions, Dustin Poirier being an uh, interim champion and Michael Chandler, you know, being a Bellator former champion. There's no there's no shame in that. It just lets you know that when you're fighting former champions or champions that you're right there. So you just got to make a couple of tweaks. 30 years old, bro. You're still in your prime. Gosh, man, you're still in your oh, prime. His prime's, his prime's coming. Yeah, it's not even like you're, that 30, 31, 32, is, those are your moments. You have three years of this. Do it and just get ready to enjoy it. But you have to make sure you take care of yourself. Otherwise, it will go quicker than you think, You know, even faster if your brain doesn't recover. So just take your time. That's the, My advice to him would be that. Don't just move on. Like I Move on, but take your time and recover. 
Yeah, I meant to ask on Saturday, um, Bruce Buffer, when he announced Michael Chandler, he acknowledged him as a former Bellator champion. He was very specific in not saying world champion, but he did say Bellator champion. Is That's that's not common, right, that they acknowledge other promotions like that? No, they did. I mean, for me, they introduced, introduced me as Strike Force. Strike Force champion. Former Strike Force. But they, they own they the company. That, yeah. Yeah. But they own this. <laughs> they so. own the, big difference right there. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that is there anything to that? Do you well, think more? Well, I think that they, I've heard them announce the girls, I believe, is the Invicta champion. But they also yeah, but own they, they no, they basically is, do they own Invicta or they just they have them on well, fight? Pass? I don't want to say they own Invicta, but they take care of Invicta. I gotcha. Saying. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Or do you think so, it was just simply that they were trying to pump him up as somebody credible? Like I'm well as, as simple as it gets. Everything that comes out of Bruce's mouth has been run through the production team and Dana. So Bruce, you know, I'll get into a story. I left the UFC for specific reasons early on. And then I came back to refereeing after a specific amount of time. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't referee in the UFC for, eh, let's say, a couple years based upon, you know, uh, supposedly I'd said bad things about him or something like that. Well, a uh, specific um, regulator asked me, hey, he says, you know, I want to put you in this uh, UFC that we have. But they, they were saying that you said bad things. I said, find them. Find those things. You know? I said, just because someone says something doesn't mean that it's true. So he goes and he does his his research and he looks and nothing. He says, I'm putting you on the show. I said, okay, I'll take it. So I take it knowing that, you know, it's going to be awkward going back there. And, uh, you know, one of the things that Dana's big thing was, is you will not call him Big John McCarthy. And so that was Bruce Buffer comes with John. I can't call you Big John. I said, I don't give a fuck. It doesn't mean shit to me, Bruce. What do I care? Right. And then the next thing is, you know, he introduces me and John McCarthy. Right. Oh, and then right away, Mike Goldberg, big Joe McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> so look at nothing. Bruce puts out yeah. has not gone through what Dana wants. And Dana obviously looked and thought this is going to help me more than it would hurt me or cause me a problem. I think I want this out there. And that's why he did it. I, I think he, again, the Michael Chandler situation is the fact, the simple fact of the matter is he's beaten good guys. He's beaten yeah. guy. He's beaten guys that were their former champions in the UFC. So when people look them up, Oh, you beat Eddie Alvarez. Oh, you beat Benson Henderson. Oh, you like twice. Yeah. Like you're going to get into that conversation of like, why, why are we not going to say that he's from another organization that beat those guys in that organization, by the way, yeah. that used to be our champions here. Like it was a smart call. I think on their part, it, you know, good on them. Um, the next question comes from Coupe de Gras and he asks, do you think there's a path for Dominic Cruz back to the title? Personally, I think his fight IQ, his overall fighting style is pretty hard to beat for anybody. And I saw him starting to turn it up and turn it up a bit against Cejudo before the fight ended. Mm. I, I like Dom. Uh, do I think he's going to get back to the title? No. I think if they do get him back to the title is because... It's Dominic Cruz. They're willing to go ahead and do that, but I doubt it. I, I, he's got a really tough fight with Casey Kenny. Oh, he's got a tough fight. That's a out. really tough fight. Casey Kenny's really good. And it all comes down to exactly what you were talking about with Stephen Thompson. It just amplifies as yeah. those weight classes go down. And, you know, Dom has lived off of the fact he is pretty athletic, pretty fast, had a very strange and unorthodox style that he 
was outstanding within switching his stance and landing shots that a lot of guys wouldn't be able to land and causing a disruption in the flow of the fight for his opponent where they couldn't catch up to what he was doing, those days are gone. The yeah. speed is not quite the same. He has had a lot of injuries. It's not that he's not an intelligent fighter. He is super intelligent. He's got a super high fight IQ. But when you are facing someone that has speed advantages over you, now that fight IQ is put into place of where can I attack this guy and be successful and not be hit by him. He's going to have his hands full against, you know, Casey Kenny. I look at, you know, I thought I always looked and said, I thought the, the fight that I wanted to see was Dom versus, you know, Jose Aldo. Yeah. I think that's a great matchup just because of what they have both done in the past mm-hmm. now, but, uh, I don't see Dom being a UFC champion ever again. Yeah, they're looking. It sounds like they're looking at Jose Aldo versus Cody Garbrandt. I mean, that, yeah, there, there's a lot you. of back and forth between the two, and it sounds like that's kind of the direction in which they're leaning. Which I don't understand by Cody. Why would you want that fight? You're ranked way ahead. Of, they're not way ahead of him, but you're, three you're ranked ahead, ahead of him now. Yeah, yeah. And Cody was talking about going to flyweight. Yeah, apparently he wanted to go there and get the automatic title shot, but they're saying that he was not going to get the automatic title shot. Remember, because, he was scheduled because then, uh, is it Perez? Perez has the title. Sh- he's going to do a rematch. Is it Perez? No, no, no it's Marino. uh, Marino. Marino. Marino sorry, <laughs> CTE fellas, CTEs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he fought Perez the week before, yeah, he, two weeks yes, before, two weeks before. Yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah. I see, confused. So, um, I Got the name right. I'm so impressed. <laughs> so you got Josh. Frankie. You got yeah. I can't get 58 plus 58 though. Um, <laughs> you sitting there thinking, what is that? Frankie Edgar and Cody Sanhagen are fighting. Cody Garbrandt was talking about fighting uh, Jose Aldo. Aljamain Sterling's fighting for the title. You've got Rob Font in that mix there. I mean, Cody and Rob Font would be a fun, fun fight. That would be a good fight. That'd be I, a fun fight. I gotta tell you, I don't like that style matchup with with. Uh, Sanhagen and and Frankie, no, no. I but just don't. Who are you gonna give him above though? There's no one else above. And There's I don't. Corey's I don't. I, this, this is me being a homer. Yeah. I'm sorry. I love Frankie Edgar. He is as good a human being, as good a fighter, has done so much, and is good with other fighters too. Yeah. Uh, I I love the guy. It's just I look. That's just a hard, hard matchup yeah. for him. But you know he's pulled it off before. He's a gunslinger, man. Oh, he's, he's just, just a stud. He's just a stud, man. He's a stud. I he's the answer. Yeah, he's. <laughs> I think I, I can't think of another fighter I probably admire more than Frank Yeager. Oh. Just everything about him, the way he handles himself, the way he is around other people, the way he handles himself in that fucking cage. I mean, I mean, I know everyone talks about um, the Gray Maynard fights, but I mean, I talk about the Benson Henderson fight where he got up kicked in the face. You know, I mean, it broke his nose right off the bat. I mean, I, his fights with BJ Penn, how he had to win. The, he had to basically have to defend his title every, multiple times against a couple guys. Every time he fought, it was like, oh, it wasn't. It was close. It was like, like I felt like they never wanted him to be champion, which I I got that. I seemed like that was the feel every time he fought. For a while. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you guys doing, man? This guy's. Well, the, the fact that he took the title from BJ. when yeah. he, you know, he he took the title back in Abu Dhabi. You know, that yeah. was the very first time that the. Was it Abu Dhabi? Saudi Arabia, I thought. No, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. 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 Okay. You know, and um, it was the fact that he took it from the guy that he took it from was, you know, a lot of people, man, they idolized BJ and loved him. And 
And a lot of people were saying he didn't win that fight. And you go back and you watch and you go, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. You know, and then he, then in the next one, he dominated. dominated and the one yeah. after that, it was even worse. Yeah. You know, and uh, Frankie Edgar has just been a stud his entire career. And he deserves everything good coming his way because he has been unbelievably yeah. good for the UFC and for the sport of MMA. Yep. I agree, man. I agree. Next. Next question comes from Ben Cooley, and he wants to know, can you break down Bellator middleweights? Who's in the title picture? I think right now, man, I mean. You know, if, if you're going to look at the top five, you got to be honest about certain things and yeah. say, well, obviously they got Gegard Mousasi. He is your champion. Yep. And he's, you know, sitting at a level just based upon what he's done in the past and the experience of who he's been against and the battles that he's had and what he's learned from those battles. He's sitting, you know, at, at, a, at an apex that's going to be tough for a lot of the fighters in, in Bellator to reach. He has his teammate in Costello Vanstinas who isn't going to fight him. Yeah, now, Vanstinas is outstanding, so but good. you've got to take him out of the equation while Gegard is the champion because they're not going to fight each other. Uh, yeah. John Salter has got an incredible ground game. Mm -hmm. Just phenomenal how good he is in the ground game. But Gegard Mousasi has an outstanding ground game too. And it's the stand-up where Salter is going to have to be shooting for takedowns and getting those takedowns against a guy like Gegard and putting Gegard on his back. It's not going to be an easy thing for him to do. But Salter is outstanding, you know, in what he does. He's just a more one-dimensional fighter than Gegard. You got to go to Fabian Edwards. Take a look at the skill set that's Leon Edwards' brother. You know, he's he's got it all. Yeah. Come on, Josh. Does the guy have it all? When he, you know, it's there. It's just a matter of putting the entire package together. Skill set wise, technical wise, man, he's fast. He's powerful. He's nasty. But, you know, he's got to put the whole thing together because in certain fights, he tends to, seems like he almost holds back at times. Yeah. But the skill's there, and he's a, he's a stud. Mike Shipman's another guy, super tough. You know, I just don't see him being able to take on Gegard or anything like that. No, I really think you're going to see Gegard probably enter into that 205-pound tournament if they do have one. There's nothing, real, there's nothing for him right now to do, and the chance and the opportunity to win a million dollars on top of all of his fight purses, I think that kind of triggers him to be like, hey, this could be my retirement. You know, um, in terms of the people that are there at the top, I've got you've got Salter ahead of Vanstinas because he's beaten Vanstinas, but Vanstinas just, just didn't fight smart. I yeah, like Stevens was, was coming on in the third round, putting it on Salter. So yeah. it's, it was a close fight. Yes. And so, I mean, to me, I feel like Vance Stevens is kind of the future of that division. So damn good. He beat Fabian Edwards. Um, but I've got Salter, Vance Stevens, Fabian. And then I know we've got some other guys that are all in that mix there. But I'm going to be 100% yeah. honest with you guys. Um, you got Anatoly Tokov. Oh, I forgot about Tokov. Tokov so, is at, he's what, in 20, there. Is he 28 and 2? Uh, it says 28, 27, 28. Two? Yeah. 28 and two. Dude, he's a stud. Yeah. So he's, he's a yeah. stud though. He's he'd, he'd be the, he'd be the guy right at the very top of the list. Yeah. So there's Tokov, Salters, Van Steenis, Fabian Edwards, you know, and then for me, look, this is just strictly for me. And there's two guys actually that I think have bright futures, but they're, uh, one of them's young. One of them's not, one of them's very new to the sport is 
the one that I and because I work with him as well, but Romero Cotton, he's got a bright future as long as he stays on track, but he is older. You know, he's in his 30s already and he's got a late start in sport. He's undefeated. What is he, 6 and 0 now? 5 and 0, 6 and 0? Uh, five. He's 5 and 0. He's 5 and 0, but let, 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 let's make this very clear. He may be older as far as, you know, w- when he started in the sport for you know certain reasons. The guy has taken zero damage in this sport. Yeah. Zero. Even in his first fight, which is the toughest fight that he ever had, where he was taking a guy down, a guy who kept trying to put submissions on him and stuff, still didn't take any damage. Yeah. He is a stud athlete. And he's the other thing about him, Josh, you know this. Most people don't. Dude, he's a mean some bitch. He is. He's like super. I mean, like when I talked to him and I trained him tonight, actually, I was hitting some mitts with our whole mitts for him and stuff and working yeah. with him. He's got some big power. He's physically strong. Everybody in the gym at AKA is like, I've never trained with someone who's just, who's that strong. Nobody. Nobody's that strong. I mean, Kyle Kretschmer has talked about how strong he is. Kyle Driscoll has talked about how strong he is. All these guys, man, they're like, man, this guy's the strongest guy I've ever grappled. Deron Wynn talking about that. Him and Islam Makachev both. Like, man, these guys are super strong. But I really am interested in the in the Norbert Novenyi Jr. He's 20 years old. He's yeah, got a he's bright, a, he's young. He's a baby, but he's got yes. a great fighting style. He has that little bit of that, that side, like Taekwondo style kickboxing. It's not the greatest, not the most technical. But he's got his dad was a Olympic uh, silver silver medalist gold gold, gold, gold medalist, medalist in in Greco Roman. He's got wrestling. good wrestling himself. He's got good wrestling himself. Good, got a good gre- submission game. Good submission but, game. We saw but that in he his is last young. fight. He's young. He's a baby. Yes, he's, but just, I, he's he's got years to go to to learn the things and the experience that's going to get him to that next level. And I think he's going to get there. He has a little oh. bit of that that uh, Michael Venom Page kind of stand up. Obviously well, not that, the level of that, but they train together. Yeah, and blood it, and shoot fighters. It's fun, man. It's fun. I like the way he fights. He's he fought uh, Will Flurry and just absolutely destroyed Will. You know, but he just. He put it all together and was out there having fun. And I enjoy watching him fight. I've called a couple of his fights now. But I, th- I think he's got a hu- I think he's got a bright future as long as he's able to stay active. I know he's over in uh in the UK and stuff. So it's like seeing how many shows we do over there and how many shows we can get him on, but getting him into the bright getting him into the big lights on a big yeah. name show. I'm excited for him. I think I think you have Van Steenis and Fabian Edwards who are kind of like the future of it right now, the current future. This kid in six, seven years, I think will be the future of that division. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. he'll be the future. As long as he continues to continue, if he continues to get better, 1% better, you know, better than the day he was the day before, a little bit better, a little bit better, I think he's going to be phenomenal. It's the progressions of the daily improvements. As long as he's doing that, I think he'll be the champion one day. Thank you for bringing up Tokov because I totally forgot. And yeah, he is. Good. Is there a chance he's to put Yoel at 185 just to try and get some no, eyes on it? No. I don't think no, so. He's going to be in the tournament. I think after the tournament, I don't know if he's going to be around. So I, is there going to be a tournament, you're saying? I think there will be. I don't know when. I think so, yeah. I don't no, know not, when. Nothing, not, nothing has been put out there for yeah, sure. Yeah, nothing's been put out there. It would be there. nice to see. This was, this was the other thing right here. Just released Fedor Emelianenko, released from the hospital after battle with COVID-19. Ooh, I know that feeling. <laughs> uh, were you? You didn't get. You didn't. You didn't get put in the hospital, though, right? No, I didn't. No, he stay out. He was. They. They said he had some serious uh, issues, though. So, I don't know. I. It's. I. California's open up. Yesterday they opened everything up. Six days after the inauguration. COVID. I know. I'm here. COVID is gone. That's right. That's right. I'm you're back. in LA. That's right. You're not. You're <laughs> I'm not in LA yet. Yeah, we're. You're in LA. No, I'm in Central Coast. I'm on Pismo Beach. Oh, right that's now. right. That's right. I was talking to uh, Miss McCarthy. 
the boss the boss yeah the boss. uh i like that area i like that area yeah, it's a gorgeous area all right what by john ackleman at royal grande you oh you ran into him no i said well, we were gonna go by his place and then i just ran out of time gotcha. so. i like him oh great guy what you got dave um bonsai cheeks wants to know if mac <laughs> bonsai cheeks. yeah bonsai cheeks he wants to know if Max and Volk run it back and Max comes out on top, do we see a fourth and potentially fifth fight? Not fair to Volk if Max wins the third and doesn't get a re- and Volk doesn't get a rematch. Uh, does it turn into a best of five or stop after three? Go ahead, brother. I'll talk, or I'll talk. Uh, you talk. Go ahead, man. All right. As simple as it gets. If Max loses to Volk, that, that will definitely be it. You're not going to get three wins and see another fourth fight. I just don't see it happening. But if he gets a win over Volkov, well, I'm sorry, Volkanovsky, you will absolutely see Volkanovsky getting a shot again against him. He's immediate rematch? I can't say it's going to be immediate. There might be one in between because you have a couple of guys in that weight class that are right at the top. And I, and we, you know, we talked about this. I think you're going to see that three-way go with Ortega, uh, Max, Volkanovsky, they're they're all so good mm-hmm. that you know it's just a given night you know it just depends on who's on on that night so we can see something going back and forth there you know if you go all the way back into boxing you know and people don't remember but the best boxer there ever was was not floyd mayweather it was sugar ray robinson that's a guy that was just unbelievable and he had six fights six josh against a guy that they made a movie about called Raging Bull in Jake LaMotta. Gotcha. All right? Six fights they had, and that's because they were great fights. Well, let me ask you this. Have the Volkanovsky versus Holloway two fights been pretty goddamn good so far? No. No, man. No. You the, are the, crazy, I thought, I thought man. First, that's, I, that second fight was outstanding. I thought it was good, but they weren't great. They're not like barn – they weren't barn burners to me. They weren't like uh, – they were they were good fights. Thought, Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm a nerd when it comes to watching them fight. But I'm saying if I'm a casual fan at home, they weren't bar burners. Well, not, it's not, I would it's have not rather the Michael Chandler knockout on no Hooker, no 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 Max Holloway's last fight. That to me was impressive. That was a performance. No no no, no 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 no. Max Holloway's last fight. Come on, you got to be honest. No one, no one has ever done what he did in that fight. But Absolutely. that's but that's my point. My point is that that was impressive. Yeah, it's, you wanna, it's not something you can expect all the time. But I know that. What I'm saying, though, is if I'm a casual fan at home, okay? Let's just say, because like, like, let's just pretend I'm Podcast Dave. I'm a casual, because that's what Podcast Dave I'm, is. I, I'm, He's I, a dude, casual. I can picture that perfectly. Yes. Thank you. Podcast <laughs> Dave is a casual. He's at home going, okay, Max Holloway and Volkanovsky. Do I want to see it three to four times? No. Like They they were good fights. In my eyes, they were great fights. They I liked good fights. I, I, like, I like watching them. I was very impressed with Volkanovski in the first fight, and I thought Max won the second fight. I thought Volkanovski won the first. I thought Max won the second. So did I. I understood that. Um, but do I like? I sure I want to see a third because I want to see when the dust settles. After that, I have no desire. Like if <laughs> if Max wins, if Max wins, I want to move on. Even you, if, you don't think there's the you, you Volkanovski should be able to get another show. No, no, he hasn't been. Geez, wow, no. you are so brutally no. cold. Max was the champion. Brutally cold. Max was the champion for multiple title defenses. Volkanovski's defended the title what twice? 
Yep. No, just once to him. Once. Once to him. No, that's absolutely not. One was a defense. Had he beaten two other guys in the middle of that, and I'd say, you know what? He has a couple title defenses, and Max comes back and beats him. I'd say, okay, let's give him a, give him a rematch. You know, it makes sense. But no, you've only your your one fight to defend the title has been against the guy that you you beat to win it. No, now you lost it to him. Nah, nah. Go get go get a win or two, and then come back. And I like I like Volk. I I like Volkanovski a lot. I'm call, I'm calling you the Australian hater. No, yeah. no, <laughs> this guy. Oh man. No, I don't know. I think he deserves it. You know, if if he ends up losing to Max, yeah, he deserves another rematch. I'm not saying it's immediate. I can see one fight in between, but I can definitely see the rematch being in, in order. I think Brian beats him anyways. Just might. Yeah. I, what I did like was what Volkanovski said about uh, Max Holloway because people need to understand that this is this is this is very true. Is that Volkanovski said? Well, Max Holloway doesn't look like that in front of me. And that's true. Styles make matchups. And I got to yeah. tell you, like people think that they're going to go out there. Oh, he does. He do this and do that. No, 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 no. That fighter doesn't look that way because of what we talked about earlier. The Ben Askren effect. It's like that. Fight, they're feared the takedown so much that they don't let their hands go. They don't pull the trigger. They don't look like the same fighter in front of me. And Volkanovski had pointed that out. And I thought that was brilliant on his part because Max Holloway may look good, great and phenomenal against somebody else. He don't do that shit in front of me. And when he pointed that out, that should be an eye-opening reality check for all the hardcore MMA fans going, damn, he's right. That's true. He don't look well, like that in front of me. And, but, and that's exactly, it brings out what we talk about all the time is, look, when you become one-dimensional, you become an easy fighter to deal with. And when you have all the elements going that are part of MMA that you present to someone, even if it doesn't work, you're now at least making it to where they have to th at least think about it. They have to be concerned with it. And, you know, the fight with Calvin Cater, stand-up guy. I, he was not worried about being taken down, and that's why he had that output and that efficiency that we saw that was so impressive. And I agree. I agree with you. I agree with Vol Volkanovsky. It's a matter of, hey, he doesn't look like that against me. He can't. Yeah. He can't open up that same way because he'll end up in a position now where he's fighting his way off of the map. Yep, it's very true. Uh, James McAfee has one. That's close to a perfect name. Very close. <laughs> James McCarthy. McAfee. McCarthy. McAfee. <laughs> uh, you mean Miss McCarthy. I mean McAfee. <laughs> Miss McAfee. <laughs> he has a, a short question for you. He wants to know, Josh, what was your most embarrassing MMA moment? And John, who is your favorite fighter of all time? Go, Josh. My go. My most embarrassing uh, MMA moment. Oh, I mean, I don't really have one. I, I, I don't look at, I guess you could say the Eves fight. I mean, realistically, but it's not really to me. It wasn't an embarrassing moment. It was just more frustration. And uh, if you guys, I don't know, I don't know the name of Eves' podcast, cause, but we talked about it on Friday on his podcast about the, the fight. And we did a full breakdown. We watched the video. We talked over it and all this stuff. But it really just came down to the fact that at that time, the game was different. You know, there was only five to seven pay-per-views at a time. And both of us were so frustrated because it should have been for the lightweight title. You know, it was multiple times. I was ranked number one in the world at the time. He was ranked number two. 
We both beat Eves Edwards to get there. And it was Stop. or not Eve, sorry, not Eve, but Hermes Franca. Hermes <laughs> there you Franca. Go. <laughs> We'd both beat Hermes Franca to get there. And if you go back and we we went back and watched that round, and I, I was throwing Eves around like it was no one's business. Big Wasn't bodies. that part of the problem in your mind though? It what do you mean? That it should have been for the title? At the time, no, at the time. How old were you? Oh geez, I was like 22, 23. Exactly. I was I would have said 23. Yeah. So you're about 23 years of age, and at that time, you were cocky as hell. Yeah. And you were throwing him around. Yeah, you misspelled confident, but yeah. And you got <laughs> <laughs> but you got you got overconfident in that, oh, this is easy. Yeah. When another guy standing across from you that is skilled is always dangerous. Yeah, I, here's the thing. I, I don't <sighs> – there was just things that I I went back and I watched. Like, look, if you watch that fight, there was like 30, 40 seconds left in the in the round. There was mm -hmm. no reason for me to do that spinning back fist. I was winning the round handily. I mean, he he said he legit and during the show when we were filming his show, he's like, man, you don't get it. He's like, I couldn't walk for a couple of days because of those hill strikes to my calf or to my thigh. I was doing hill. We were in the clinch and I was hill striking him. He's like, I couldn't walk for a couple of days for almost a week. He's like, it just hurt so bad, and it was coming so easy to me. Yeah. I, there was a moment there, uh, right? I think right after I jumped guard on him and I turned him back, pressed his fence, pressed his back to the fence. I see Matt Hughes, Jens Pulver, uh, and Tim Sylvia sitting there, and I'm talking to them while I'm fighting him. And I'm like, I got this, I got this, guys. You guys like this? That I was like being a total smartass. I was winking at yeah. him, and it and just, it, it really did, it really did fuck me up. It was, it was one of those. Just, it was a lesson learned. I learned the, I learned that lesson to make sure that like not take any of these guys for granted. I don't know what I was thinking, man. I I it just wasn't it, it really the, I was telling Eves, I said it came down to the fact that I felt like it really should have been for the title. And I was like I'm going to prove to the UFC that we should have that we can be exciting that we're worth keeping around. I mean, they offered me a contract after this, but to fight at 170. And I said, "Have you seen those guys?" <laughs> <laughs> Because like, everyone at the time, people didn't understand. At the time, Joe Rogan, you hear him on the pot on, on the actual broadcast. Josh Thompson's the biggest lightweight I've ever seen in my life, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm kind of big, you know. Eve's about you know my size, and Eve's like, dude, I was looking across the cage from you, going, man, you're fucking enormous, you know. And I look <laughs> at these guys now, and I'm like, you guys are just Islam Makachev is so damn big. <laughs> so damn big i mean he's like six foot five eleven six foot just huge anyway these guys when i'm fighting him right and i mean picking him up double legs slamming him i threw him with a head and arm tried to do it again and that's what led to the head kick knockout um overall the, the it the whole thing though really bugged me the fact that it wasn't for the title i actually thought about making like a like a cardboard cutout like belt <laughs> And walking out with it. But then, you know, Javier was like, don't do that. You're going to piss the UFC off. And they're the only show in town. And I was like, I, they hadn't announced they were going to get rid of the division yet. Yeah. But we were the we were the only last two guys to really fight. I was like, I'm going to show them that, you know, this should have been for the title. Da, 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 da. It just backfired. It really did. You know, and then they got rid of the division. And they offered me a, a contract at 170. And, you know, I was just like, no way. Guys that did take the contract at 170, they fought. Let me just remind people. Rich, Rich Clemeni, guess who one of his fights was? Rumble Johnson. Yeah. No thanks, dude. <laughs> can you imagine? No Go thanks. Back and you think about that, man. Poor Rich. 
Uh, you know, Rich was what five seven, five eight at most. Yeah. Right, and you know, he was a hundred and fifty five or just because that was the only weight class that didn't go below it. You know, and it was like, oh my god, you poor bastard! You went up to one seventy and fought Anthony Rumble Johnson. Yes, and here who, I, who walked into the cage that night at two hundred and fifteen pounds. And Anthony took that fight on like seven days' notice. Oh. I because I, I was the guy that got Anthony in. I found him hitting mitts in the you know in some back alleyway and shoot box down in L.A. Like it was a little, and I went down. I was down there for a nightclub opening for me, and I was there and I met him. I met up with him with I went to shoot box and to get some training in. You know, in between, uh, be, before I had to go to the club for the club opening, and I met him hitting mitts. I was like, "Hey, let me get your number." Da, 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 da. And I ended up hooking him up with, uh, believe it or not, Ken Pavia. And, oh, and, and I know, you but hated him. Well, Bob, Bob didn't Did want you. Hate Anthony Rumble Johnson. Bob that Cook, much? Bob Cook didn't want to sign him. We had oh a bunch of one seventy pounders. You gave him to Ken Pavia. He's the only you guy that I knew. Bury your head. No. <laughs> Ken, 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 Ken actually got him on the Ultimate Fighter, but then Gabe Rudiger had ruined that with not making weight. And they're like, "Look, you may have to make weight every week." And they're like, "And he's like, they're like, we're not going to take a chance on you." And he's like, "All right, whatever." Then like two weeks later, they called him and said, "Hey, do you want to fight Rich Clemente? We have a last minute replacement." He's like, "All right." So I, he called me up. He said, "Should I take it?" I'm like, "Yeah, get your foot in the door. Have a good performance." He took it on ten days' notice or something like that. It was just one of those things. So that that to me was probably my most embarrassing moment. I can understand how you say that it should never be embarrassing. It's just something that happened. You made a mistake yeah. that led to that, and it can happen. You were young, and that's what I was talking about when you look at that. When you are 22, 23 years of age, first off, you think you're invincible. Yeah, There's no way anyway, this guy can't beat me. And then when you're in there and you're feeling it and you're able to move him around and stuff, it's like, please, hello. And it's never going to happen that you're going to get knocked out. And when you get hit in the neck, like you did, yeah, it's called a brachial stun. And you know, your brain is not, oh, it's yeah. not fuzzed at all. It's just, you can't control your body. Your nerves just shut off and your ability to control it. You fall down and you can't do anything. Yeah. People need to, I want to, I, I, I try to tell people, I try to tell people that when he kicked me, they zapped me right, and when I hit the yep. ground, I was awake. I felt my, oh, I yeah. saw myself falling. When I hit the ground, I just couldn't move my arms. I, 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 I kind of felt like a, like a, a paraplegic. I was like, I couldn't move anything, <laughs> and my, my heck was just looking. I was watching him run at me, and I saw like the punches just, like you know, when you see in a movie how the punch just closes, you <laughs> turns the lights uh, out, like in a movie. That's exactly what I saw. I was just like, damn, this sucks. Then I there, there used up. to be a video out there, and I used to use it in training all the time. And it was of a, it was in Houston, Texas, and there was training going on, and there was a trainer that was down on the street, and this taxi cab pulls into the middle of the training by mistake, and it just happens to be a guy who is with a with a lady, you know, whatever they are together but he's going to show that he's tough and he starts getting all kind of mouthy with, you know, this instructor who's down in the middle of the street and the guy is getting pulled back by the girl. And finally, you know, he kind of gets free of the girl and goes after the guy, you know, stands and goes, whoom. And he hits him with a brachial stun, just right to the side of the neck. And you see this guy going work and his legs are going in different directions and he falls down. And then they're trying, the taxi cab driver gets up and is trying to pick him up and drag him back to the taxi cab. And it's just, 
nothing works. Yeah. <laughs> it's it just shuts off. I, I when I say when I say my my most em- embarrassing moment, I wouldn't say so much as much as the knockout. It's just it's more for me. A lot of what I talk about in terms of when people ask me like what's your greatest uh achievement in fighting, I always say the Hermes Franco fight because that was when I realized that was a real fighter. Because I, I would won the first two rounds handily, got dropped in the third, and I always wanted to know if I was a quitter. I always wanted to know that. And that was a fight where I realized I wasn't a quitter. I was somebody that was like, no, nah, when the going gets tough, I'm going to keep going. Because in my mind, I was like, when I got rocked and got dropped and he hit me and he was, he fucked me up for two and a half minutes. He beat the shit out of me. And I, I, there was moments there where I could have just tapped and gave up or rolled over and gave my back or had him, you know, or just whatever. But I just kept going and kept going. And that, that to me was one of my greatest moments for me. What I mean by my most embarrassing moment, to me, I knew what I was doing. In this situation, I was being a show off. And that to me was embarrassing. The fact that I did that to myself, he did the kick. I get it. Yeah. But to me, that I was trying to be more than but a But you put yourself in the position stupid. for that to happen. Yeah. So to me, that yeah. was my most embarrassing moment for me. Yeah. Yep. Next. Well, well, well John's great. John's got it. You, my my favorite fighter. Yeah. Don't have one. And I'm I'm saying that out of respect because I lo- I like so many guys. And you know, I have so much respect for certain fighters. You know, guys like George St. Pierre, you know, I, I admired the way he handled himself, the way he interacted with people, the way that he approached the fight and always made it to where it was about the sport of MMA, which that was the big thing for me. I was always into the guys that carried themselves in a fashion that made the sport look good. You know, the first time that I refereed Fedora Emelianenko, that was a special moment for me because we all have you know, things that are our bucket list thing. That was a bucket list. And then I got to do it multiple times throughout my career, but it was the way that he carried himself, the way that he represented the sport. You know, he was one of my favorites. It was always the guys that I thought, you know, at least acted the way I expected a professional fighter to act and to represent the sport of MMA, no matter what promotion they were in. Yeah, I feel like the fact that you brought up GSP first that lets everyone know who your favorite fighter is. <laughs> uh, there was something that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, what is your take? Because I, I hear I want to I want I want to get I want to get I want to talk about this actually a lot in terms of the in in the depthness of this. Patricio Pitbull has no chill. He, he, <laughs> ah, he's fantastic. He has no chill. I His love tweet that, that he posted about how proud he is of his I'm son. I'm so proud of you, my son. My son. And then he posted a picture. <laughs> he posted a picture of him carrying a baby with Michael Chandler's face on it. I was like, bro, you got no chill. This guy is. But okay, where does that? Where does this whole conversation though? Because when Michael Chandler went to the UFC, Chandler's gonna get smoked. Then he knocks out Dan Hooker, and he's gonna get smoked. Where does that put, where, like, if we were to, like, do our own rankings, which you and I have talked about making our own rankings, which we probably will here shortly. We should. We should. Um, and for all promotions. Yeah. Uh, 1FC, PFL, all that. Because, you know, you got guys like Lance. Four. Yeah, you got Lance, pa- you got Lance Palmer yep. in there as well. He deserves to be in that honorable mention as well. You know, you obviously got Eddie over in the air and, and Demetrius Johnson. I mean, how do you fucking not include him? Oh, he's not in the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you're when you're having these conversations with where does Patricio fit into all this? At 155, I do not even include him. I do not include him. 
Do I think he can win a fight or two? Absolutely. But do I include him? Absolutely not. He's not a 55 pounder. You know, I I think we could, I think he could potentially make 35 if he wanted to, if he just skipped a mill or two, Patricio. You know, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. He just physically, I think, feels better at 145. Yeah. Um, but I get styles make matchups, and we've talked about this. Like, with the fact that Chandler had success in his first fight, Patricio beating Chandler, where do we, where does Patricio fit in at all this, John? Well, as far as where does Patricio fit in as one of the best fighters in the world? In yes. the one, and I'm going to say not in the 155-pound weight class. No. In the 145-pound weight class. He is absolutely in the top five of the 145-pound weight class. Now, I say the top five because you, you, you can take nothing away from Volkanovsky. Mm-hmm. You can take nothing away from Max Holloway. I think Max Holloway personally, in my opinion, and we talk about styles all the time, is the hardest fight that could be put in front of Patricio Pitbull. I think that is the guy that would give him the most trouble. I do believe that, you know, the fight between him and Volkanovsky would be very similar in styles and everything. And I believe that he wins that fight. Yeah. You know, and it's just based upon what they do, what they're good at, and the power that he possesses, man, that's a good fight for him. Now, Brian Ortega would be another one you look at, and I go, you know, that's a that's actually not a bad fight for him either. So you can fit him into the top, you know, if you want to, if you want to, you know, give it to UFC and say that the UFC has got the number, you know, one guy in Volkanovski, okay, I'll, I'll accept it. I have no problem with that. You want to say they've got the number two guy, and we'll say, you know, Holloway, Great. Number three guy in Ortega. Okay. Well, the number four and the number five, they're definitely not in the UFC because it's going to be Pitbull at number four, at least. At least. And then behind, yeah. and then, yeah, at least. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being kind here, but, and behind him is going to be a kid named AJ McKee. Jesus. Yeah. Fits into the top five. Yeah. I, you know, what's funny is if we were to sit here and do matchups to me, AJ McKee, I think he beats guys like he's the biggest problem yeah he's the biggest problem and we're gonna see more of him and there's a i mean he's gonna be a problem for patricio a huge problem yeah you know um people i don't think people realize how damn big he is he's enormous at 145 pounds yes he's enormous bigger bigger than brian ortega bigger than max holloway bigger by far than volkanovsky bigger than patricio he's long he's fast He's athletic. Yeah. He's strong. He's got it all. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he really, uh, I'm surprised. I know that he's catching on and people are finally no- giving him credit and noticing him. But damn. I mean, ESPN had him as the number one, uh, number, number one, one f- under 24, well, under, under 25, and under year old MMA fighter out yes. there right now. And you got to give it ESPN credit for being honest about that and saying, yeah. hey, you can look at all these guys. This is the guy. Yeah. And, it was, there's no doubt about it. I'm really intrigued by the fact that he's finally taking it so serious. I mean, uh, it, I'm, I'm, I honestly, he went through his stint where he was out doing whatever it is he wanted to do, and his dad made him still fight when he wasn't in shape, and he <laughs> had to get his shit together. And he pulled it together and had a couple. He didn't like the feeling of being tired and exhausted in the cage against somebody that he knows he could have beat easily had he just trained a little bit harder. You know, um, I, I think or trained at all. 
Yeah, or training all that. So that's some, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I, I, I'm. I. I'm okay with mixing it all in there, like you're saying. Like I would put Patricio ahead of Volkanovski. Um, but here's the thing, though, is I would. I, I don't know how I would put the Max and the Brian Ortega in there because I do. Like I said, stylistically, it becomes. It's a problem. I think Max is a problem for Patricio. The length, the reach, right. the range, the output. You know those things, but uh, I. Well, especially in the fact that if you if now if you're looking at Patricio's last, you know, five fights, he doesn't do what Alexander did to Max as far as threatening the takedown. Yeah, he's turned into more of I'm going to knock you out, yeah. and I'm going to wa- I'm going to make you fight the way I want to fight, and I'm going to put power on you, and I'm going to beat you down, and I'm going to make you suffer. And that's fine. He can do that. But again, you are taking an element of the sport and not threatening it when it is what can cause your opponent the most trouble in this fight in that he has to deal with it by at least considering that you are thinking about doing it. So I need to be aware of it, which keeps my offensive output down. And, uh, you know, if if Patricio looked, if Patricio was going to fight Max Holloway, I would tell him, and you need to go watch Alexander Volkanovsky in his first fight against Max Holloway. That's the way you need to fight if you want to beat this guy. Yeah, people drastically underestimate Patricio's wrestling, and I can tell you from experience because I've grappled with him. He is yeah. fucking really good on the ground. Yeah. He is really good. Have you ever, guys, tried moving one of those big cinder blocks, like really, really big, big ones? They don't move really like he, like that, like training with him. He gets that butterfly guard and he's his arm and guillotine is nasty, strong and good. He gets on your neck. It's pretty much over. I mean, he, his wrestling's phenomenal. You can ask Henry Cejudo. Oh, um, look at who he trains with. Exactly. Yeah. You can ask Henry Cejudo oh. and he showed a lot of, he showed some of his, obviously showed a lot of his wrestling defense against Juan Archuleta, but he also took Juan down picked him yep. up on his shoulders and dropped him. I mean, he he makes it look easy. His style has come a long way after working a lot with his wrestling with uh with Henry as well as um the manager. Um Eric Alba Eric Alberson. Uh you know, like he's come a long way. He's finally learned to relax in that cage. He feels like it's home. I mean, it, styles make matchups. I get it. And look, at when you get yeah. into those top 3 guys, top 4 guys, they're all interchangeable. They really are in every in every weight class. Not just not. I'm not just saying this because we're talking about Patricio and we're talking about AJ McKee, but they're all interchangeable. Like sure. to me, like to me, Zabit and AJ McKee would be a fun, fun fight. Fuck, you yes. know what I mean? Like Z- oh, let's throw Zabit in there a too. Great fight. Either yeah. Zabit and AJ McKee or Yair Rodriguez and AJ McKee. Yeah. Hello, that would be fun. You know what I mean? And then the other fight, like for me, I'd love to see Korean Zombie and Patricio. Like knowing that Korean Zombie is going to stand in front of him and try to knock him out, and Patricio is going to stand in front of him and try to knock him out. You know what I mean? Like I'm into the, I'm into those fights, man. I mean, like, and I I give I give the nod Patricio over Volkanovski. I don't know if I give the nod Patricio over Max. I don't I don't know that. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I give the nod to Patricio over uh, Brian Ortega either. You know, Brian's come a long way. I do think that he beats him, but it's going to be a lot, a lot harder fight than people would think. I, everyone's going to obviously lean towards the Max and Ortega mopping the floor with him because that's what they do. They're not going to mop this the not, they're not, No one's going to mop the floor with him. No, no one. Uh, and But I do think that give it a year or two when AJ McKee gets into his prime, I think you're looking at a potential like John Jones style fighter. You're or looking someone at a who, superstar. Superstar. And, you know, and somebody that just, hey, he, I, people can't touch him. You know? Come on. And, 
be be honest, Justin. You you've been there when we do fighter interviews, and you know how I am with AJ, and I'm always pushing him towards certain directions and telling him, "Hey, hey, are you doing?" Because you can see he has that ability. He is that good, and he Mm -hmm. does have that John Jones caliber of being able to be one of the best at this sport in the world. It's just a matter of does he do the right things to put himself in a position to be that guy or does he just think that it's always going to be easy and doesn't put in the work? You know, if there's one thing that you can say for the most part now, John Jones puts in the work. There's a a reason why he got where he got. What What I'm intrigued about with him is that let's just say he does, AJ does beat Patricio. He's already talked about the fact that like, I'm not done here. I'm going right to 55. I mean, and you got to think in terms of his body frame, he will well, hold 55 very well. Oh, yeah, and, and will fit into 55 yeah. very well and will not be the smaller guy. No, he will not against be. Against maybe anyone except maybe Primus. Yeah, Primus no. is enormous, though. I mean, height-wise, he's not enormous, but just thickness and size-wise. Yeah. But, yeah. but here's the thing. Primus has a hard time with guys that are fast and elusive, and that's exactly what AJ is. <laughs> You know, he's there to be hit and the wrestling. Sure, he's got good wrestling, but AJ McKee's got good wrestling defense, you know, and he's he's super um, really good at stopping the takedowns and just the speed factor will be huge, huge. And on top of that, look at if you put him on the ground, he's dangerous. Yeah, he is. You know, look at what happened with Darian Caldwell, who Darian Caldwell is a dynamite athlete. He's a super wrestler, super athletic. You know, everyone knew, you know, when. If you go back and you watch Darian, you know, when he wrestled in college, was super athletic for the first couple of periods. <laughs> yes. And then kind of died out. Yeah, he did. You know, and hopefully the the you know, he'd had enough points and he was going to be fine. But you know, you take a look at the submission that he put on Darian, you know, that comes from a guy yeah. that has practiced things, is relaxed, knows exactly where he's at. And here, let me let me make you put your head into this position. Now I've got you. Goodbye. You know, and it's that's that's what he can do as long as he keeps his head in the right right realm and moving forward. There's just a lot of fights I would like to see, you know, happen. Oh. Just cross promotion wise. Oh, yeah. It just it's it sucks to see it, but you know, I'd like to see it. Well, you, um, know, you know, you think about one forty five bring Lance Palmer over yes, into that mix. Lance. It I would be fun. Lance. It would be a, a really, really fun. Yep. Ah, uh, yeah. All right. Next question. Let's do. Let's do one or two more. One or two more. You got time, John? Yeah, of course. I'm yeah. sitting here at Pismo Beach, baby. Um. All right. This, this is going to be a wrap up one, but I'll do this one and I'll, I'll grab another one. Um. Serge Kratos wants to know how did you guys first meet up and start the podcast together? And I figure since we're eighty thousand subscribers more since the last time we asked this question, we may as well tell everyone. <laughs> how you guys brought it together oh we're eighty thousand subscribers more yeah it's <laughs> about that yeah <laughs> oh this is great john you tell the story i've told it a couple times i think already why don't you tell it well i'll tell it from my side since that's the only side i really know <laughs> yeah well i'm just being honest you know i had had a podcast with uh sean wheelock and it was called let's get it on and, and uh, i had made a statement on it it was conor mcgregor and i had told the story about uh, Lorenzo Fertitta and uh, a conversation because long ago I had had a conversation with Lorenzo Fertitta when he first bought the UFC. And one of the things that he said to me was, you know, John, I want to be the first promoter to pay an MMA fighter a million dollars. 
and that was at UFC 30. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, and I was like, well, I said, I appreciate that. And I think that's fantastic. I, I will tell you, you're not going to be the first promoter. There have been guys that Hicks and Gracie made more money than that when he fought in the very first pride. And, you know, just so you know, but I think that's fantastic. Well, you know, now let's say 15 years later, I'm in the back of uh, the MGM talking with Lorenzo Fertitta, and he gives me some information about Connor, about how much he was going to be getting paid, and that you know that was a problem. And he never thought that it would be a problem. I was going to pay the guy this much money, and we we're going to have problems doing you know doing a fight. And I put that out on the podcast of so how much money it was. Uh-huh. And the next thing I know is I got a call from Dana White saying, "What in the fuck are you doing?" I go, "What did I do?" Right. He says, you know, that he goes, Lorenzo talks to you because he knows that he can trust you. And now he can't trust you because you put that out to everyone. That's not for anyone to know. He goes, it doesn't matter if the fans don't like us. We don't want them to like us. You were not supposed to say that. And I said, you know what? You're right. I I made a mistake. I apologize. And I'll apologize, Lorenzo. And I said, what what do you need me to do? He says, I need you to stop the podcast. Oh. And so, you know, and it was doing pretty well. And so I said, all right, you got it. And I shut it down. And the, the people that ran it, but they were fucking going crazy. You can't do this. And I said, I, I got to do it. I don't have a choice. You know, uh, he, this is what was asked of me. And I'm going to, I'm going to follow that request. So I didn't have the podcast. And, you know, uh, in fact, Ben Askren and Joe Warren, I got them to work with uh, Sean Wheelock and they kind of took it for a while. It didn't go too well. And then, you know, I came on to your Sammy and the punk, mm-hmm. you know, when we were up in San Jose and, uh, you know, I had watched you before and I'd watched your punk's opinion. And, and I always appreciated the way that you looked at fights because it was, it was the right way of looking at it. It was real. It wasn't a bunch of blown up bullshit that people were putting out yeah. that didn't have an idea about the fighting. And I thought we had a good time and I had been asked to do several other podcasts and, and to join other people in their podcasts. It just never seemed like the right fit. Well, then we started working together and it was, it wasn't our work. It was our time off because we ended up, you know, we, we uh, enjoyed each other's company as far as, you know, having beers and sitting there and talking about fights, talking about prior fights, talking about fights that were coming up, talking about what guys had done and what we knew. And we, how many times did we fucking be, we closed the bar yeah. talking about stuff. <laughs> And then, you know, uh, you know, I moved to Tennessee and uh, all of a sudden I get a call from Josh saying, hey, man, I, I want to do a podcast together. What you think about doing that? And I was like, it was the first time that I looked. And I said, yeah, I would think about doing that. Yeah. And it's been one of the best decisions I made because you've been fantastic. I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it welcome, really man. it really did come down to that. I was like. Look, I can continue to do because I we I'd already kind of split ways with Sammy. Um, you know, he was newly married, he was talking about having a family, and there was you know there was other lying issues as well. But I love Sammy. Sam's a good guy. But it just really mm-hmm. came down to the fact that I was like, I can continue to do Punk's opinion on my own, or I said you know I liked all of our conversations. Our conversations were that was like the one the biggest thing was we'd go to breakfast, we talk fighting. <laughs> nerd out like literally miss mccarthy oh, would yeah. just, she'd get up and be like okay, i'm gonna go to the room you guys i'll see you guys later you know and we would sit there and stay and still eat or whatever and she'd go you know, go off and do it she you know go to the room or go do something else you know and then we'd come back and we'd have lunch and she'd sit and join us again and then you know we'd get done with lunch and we'd start keep talking okay let's go get coffee and we'd keep talking and it's like it just was a it was a continuous conversation all the way up into the fights 
you know, and then uh, until the next time we saw each other, it was like more fights, more talk, more conversation, you know, and it was, it was good because I wanted to, I wanted to bring somebody on that a lot of these other podcasts weren't doing. They have comedians or they've got, they, a lot of people were trying to follow the, the, the Brendan Schaub and the, the fighter and the kid kind of format. And I didn't want that. I wanted it to be a, a combat sport. Cause I know we're going to, and we had talked about potentially talking about boxing and more and obviously all the other promotions as well. Um, but it was like, I wanted to make sure that it was it just it strictly stay in our lane. I don't, I don't want to talk. I don't, I know we have mentioned politics a little bit. We, but I don't want to talk politics. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk, you know, uh, LA stuff like Hollywood stuff. I don't want to talk that garbage either. I don't want to talk any of this other stuff. I really nerd out on the fact that we talk fighting, you know, and um, I love boxing. I love uh, I love watching the glory fights. You know, I love watching Bellator kickboxing and I obviously love MMA. I've spent basically more than half, almost more than half my life doing it. And so I was like, you know, you didn't have a podcast. We were working together. I felt like it was a good chemistry for us to, you know, to develop an even better chemistry on the mic with each other when we were working together as well. I'm like, shit, we already do this. We're just not getting paid for it. So let's start trying to, feel like we are getting paid to do it to do it there for them, but let's yeah. do it outside since we're already doing it. We're doing it at the bar all the time. Or we're doing it at the restaurant and we're doing it, you know, getting coffee. I was like, let's, let's try to see if we can turn this into money. And uh, it's coming around. It's coming, it's coming around. around. It's coming around. So, but that was kind of like, I, I agree. I was, I'm glad, I'm thankful though. I'm thankful that you were able, that you were interested in doing it, period. Because it do, it does, it does take up time, you know? And I mean, oh, yeah. I don't want to say, you know, you are 70, 79 now. And so like, you know, you're pretty much. You can say what you want. <laughs> I started the show off 50, 58, baby. 160. Uh, no idea what that means. <laughs> Episode 160. <laughs> Too big of numbers for me to count. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm very grateful. Like you said, it's been, I've had nothing but fun doing the show and I appreciate it you miss mccarthy as well <laughs> boss you know and uh having this knucklehead podcast dave it's yep. been fun man it's been fun all right you got what do you is that the last one yeah uh, yeah or if you want one more we can do one more last one let's last go. one let's right. go one more uh felipe patinaud i probably butchered that wants to know <laughs> uh, hi guys do you think khabib would be interested in a submission grappling match with gsp thank you absolutely yeah People don't do realize that. how good his grappling is, you know, and I, I don't know if they've rolled together and trained together, but I do know that they frequent the Henzel Gracie's Academy in New York quite a bit, you know, uh, could be when he is in New York. There, that's, you're saying there. everything, you know, so I, I would, I would think that they're very interested in potentially doing a grappling match against each other just for fun. I mean, I would yeah. be cool if they did it for like a charity or something like that. That'd be really cool as well. Um, you know, I, I think it'd be phenomenal. I would, you know what I think would be phenomenal. Is that if you took um, what is the what's the wrestling that they do in Madison Square Garden? Not Madison Square, Garden, but they do it in the oh, beat Times the streets, Square, beat the streets, beat the streets. So if they did a beat the streets, but they did it for grappling, or they intermix beat the streets grappling and wrestling, like basically like one grappling match, one wrestling match, you know, because I think that if you intertwine the two and you say like, hey, wrestlers, when you're done wrestling. You know, obviously a lot of them already know that MMA is available in the sports there, you know, but still kind of keeping the back burner. Like you got to learn jitsu to go along with your wrestling, but stand up will come and give it time. 
you know, but uh, I would like to see this a little bit of that crossover for the fans and the they're pretty much. I think a lot of the wrestling fans watch MMA already because of the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu aspect of it all. So it'd be really cool if they did like a beat the streets uh, jiu-jitsu, you know, mixed in with maybe some top level wrestling matches. That that would be fun to me. That'd be outstanding. Good. We're all good. Right. All right, guys. Perfectly. Go, guys. MyBookie.com or MyBookie. Dot dot a -G. A -G. Use the promo code Wayne in. If you up to a thousand up to a thousand dollars, if you use the promo code, that will give you fifty percent of your initial deposit, which is another five hundred dollars on there. You don't have to go up to a thousand dollars. You know, if you do a hundred, they give you another fifty dollars. So you have one hundred fifty dollars in your account to go ahead and bet. Just a reminder, guys. Just because we all we do is talk MMA, they have betting odds on basketball. They got betting odds on football. You got the Super Bowl coming up. Use our promo code double or double, but give fifty percent more on your initial deposit. I'm just telling you right now. If you play, if you're a better and you want to bet on the Super Bowl, I mean, you'd be smart to bet on the Chiefs because you know the Chiefs are going to smash. Tom I knew Brady. you were going to say they're going to smash yeah. Tom no, Brady. No, 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 I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. If he was playing I any other team, I'd be voting. I'd be, I'd be rooting for him too. So you got to be shaking a little bit in your boots there. I know you are. A, you have been a long lifetime KC fan. I have been. You got Patrick Mahomes, but you know that you're shaking a little bit. That Tom Brady's the guy that's on the other sideline. You know what? It's, you know what scares me is Tampa Bay's defense is really good. What scares me is that we lost our right tackle Fisher, and so that scares me a little bit. You know, when you're losing a Pro Bowler like that in terms of protecting your quarterback going into the Super Bowl and Tampa's defense is really good. That scares me a little bit. But Mahomes is good on his feet. He's got a little turf toe going on, but I think two week, two week, a little bit of two weeks off, maybe a little uh, cortisone ejection, you know, might get him through the game. Now you're already pumping him with needles. Uh, okay, for sure. For the Super Bowl, yeah. Repeat, <laughs> you get plenty of time to rest after, buddy. Um, right. I, look, he would be the youngest QB, I believe, to ever repeat. Uh, he's already been the youngest QB to win the Super Bowl. So um, he would be the youngest QB, obviously, to probably repeat. There's only been three other, two other teams, three other teams to do it. And uh, I, I'm just, I'm hoping for him. He's got a bright future. We all know that. I think everyone knows that as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, he's not taking, you know, unnecessary concussions and damage trying to run the ball. So just take the Brady momentum. Just go down, bro. Just go down. Throw the ball away or go down. No reason to risk it. Ten-year contract. No five, reason. $555 million. Insane. It is not within his dna i know to just fall down it's, it's, do it. <laughs> it's crazy how it's crazy how smart like fight i not fight iq but football iq he has and like he sees things that's just he always keeps his eyes downfield i'm a huge fan i'm just so thankful i was actually criticizing andy so reed so thankful that they actually drafted him. well he they traded up i was like god you guys got yeah. we have alex smith right now we've been in the playoffs the year two years before that he'd still be floundering if yeah. you were the coach yeah <laughs> man oh, i'd i'd be pissed i'd be pissed if we didn't draft him if because he'd be winning super bowl somewhere else right now yeah miami was miami was gonna take him i believe or no we got we know we got we got the the pick from we got the pick from buffalo what do you think we just beat buffalo in the super bowl in the playoff last week <laughs> buffalo gave us that pick so miami didn't pick him so we we got that's crazy that's insane yeah. yeah and i know that if we if miami didn't pick him belichick wanted him like two two later two picks later so belichick would have had him to replace brady how fucking crazy would that have been oh shit 
All right, guys. Well, hey, hopefully you guys go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Wayne in. Use the promo code podcast. You get another 20% off of that. And uh, check out our plethora of shirts, which got all different colors. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it, man. John, you got anything else to say? The only thing I want to say on top of that whole thing is God bless Tom Brady for proving that it was a little bit more than just Bill Belichick. Little jab there, Makes huh? me feel good. Makes me feel good. I'm sorry. I like Bill. I, you know, I have no problem with it, but to sit there and tell me, oh, it's all in that coach. No, it was all in that quarterback. And you see the difference from one year to the next. He literally said, okay, which one of y'all teams wants to go to the Super Bowl? Okay, you come with me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he did. He <laughs> said, who wants to go to the Super Bowl? Tampa Bay's like, me? He's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> That's insane. Awesome. Pretty though. impressive. It was a, what do you got? One last thing? Last thing I want to say is to everyone out there, see ya. <laughs>